just mother. Uh, just a, a little uh, office difficulty, sir. Rooney, I don't have all day to bark at you, so I'm going to make this short and sweet. This scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, is actual perfection. From every aspect and perspective of going into this scene, from the performances, the writing, the music, uh, the costumes, everything is perfect. Ed and Grace are a dynamic duo. I, I feel like they are doing this like noises off, slamming doors play in this office. And it's, I mean, I have not enjoyed seeing people in an, an administrative office of a school since I saw Debbie Monk in center stage. Like That's right. I really, that, you know, honestly, I saw that computer and I was like, well, the bar has been set, but mm. here's Grace pulling pencils out of her hair. Oh, my God. Like, pencil after pencil. I love that that's our introduction to Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this absurdist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. A really quick sidebar is what is Grace's relationship to Ed Rooney? Are they married or does she have a crush on him? What's what's going on there? Oh, I I feel like this is I just see it as like Boston secretary. And I feel like got it. There are like little moments where it, it's I feel like the moment where she says that he sounds like Dirty Harry and he kind uh-huh. of like takes a moment that to me feels like classic, like boss getting his jollies from a little validation from the secretary. But I feel like that's where the line is drawn. OK, there is another part where Ed Rooney is saying, like, I'm going to get him, Grace, I'm going to catch him. And they cut to Grace and she makes this like. She like she like narrows her eyes and she's like, and it's almost like she's like attracted to it. I mean, I I think that if, you know, if there was a time and a place, I think that Ed and Grace would, uh, you know, go to space. <laughs> Love that for them. Yeah. Um, I the. This whole scene, obviously, it's only part of the scene. We picked one of the best parts, which is when Grace is playing Ed Rooney. Uh, I feel like everybody has an impression of this. I mean, this is it. It's just I feel like it's my favorite micro moment of all of this because it's it's so stupid. And I think from what I read, I feel like most of Grace's lines and most of Grace was improvised. And no so, way. Yeah. And so this to me, I mean, how do you script other than like Grace pretends to be Ed? So yes. like this this moment is like pure Edie McClurg. And I just I just all oh, 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 like and I love the panic oh. of like, how do I impersonate someone? Oh, 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 God, like, God, yeah, it's so, it's great. It's just great. <laughs> she, yeah, the, the, I think one of my favorite parts, if not the best part of the entirety of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that's a big statement to say at the start of this discussion because we're about to talk about all the things that stuck out to us, but it's when she's trying to get Rooney's attention and she goes, Ed, Ed. And he goes, what? And oh, and he has that great line reading of um, uh, pucker up, buttercup. The, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. uh, what does he say about the butt? Um, uh, oh, yeah. Smooch my big old white butt. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, Ed, there is Bueller's online, too. Like 
and then the sting that happens right Mm -hmm. after that the high drama created over not only a boy skipping school but like talking to the wrong parent and being mean to a parent uh like the the drama that was created with this whole moment and then with that music is it is perfectly constructed and so over the top Oh, it's. I mean, I love when the, the panic of trying to find where Sloane is and like just like Grace mm. running, Grace running out of the office. It's just I again like this could be a scene in a play. This has just mm. like such sort of like theatric slapstick energy. Yeah, she well, she is great in all of the scenes she's in. Including the one with Jeannie, which I forgot about completely. Oh, my God. I love that. What an asshole. <laughs> what a little asshole. What? Yeah, what a little asshole. What a little asshole. <laughs> Clip that. What a little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, totally improvised. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 the, the whole scene. I, I also think that this scene encapsulates the absurdity of this movie because none of this movie is set in reality and this scene points to that with like a big red finger that it is not serious that we are going over the top about this well it's like these are the you know i think there's the point of view when you're in high school that like the principal's office and like this is the you know the the mitochondria of the school this is where the you know this is the powerhouse you know, I'll never forget that. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And so you think the principal's what is, office. Uh, what do they say in Don't Tumble on the Babysitter's Dead about uh, the, you know, the, the little factory room? You know, it's the. Oh, oh, uh, it's the heartbeat of the operation. The heartbeat of the operation. Yeah, absolutely. Right. This is, yeah, this is the heartbeat of the operation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or, and maybe it's the heart of the operation, but I want to believe it's heartbeat of the operation. Mm. Uh, so in any event, I feel like as a high schooler, like you have this perception of like, oh, that's you know the principal's office. It's the Wizard of Oz. And then much like the Wizard of Oz, you get in there and it's just these like little lunatics running around, you know. And I think that like that <laughs> point of view of like this is who's in charge. Well, it's just a bunch of egos running around. And the other thing that I think is so funny about this is he's not even the principal, Mary. He's the dean of students. Oh, that's right. He's not the principal. He's I always nobody. Yeah. He's nobody. If anything, he's an assist. He would be called an assistant principal now, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, like an administrator. But he is dean of students. Sometimes they have a class of their own these days. Uh, and you know, they just take care of discipline and attendance. What a, you know, what a cog in the wheel, you know, Mm -hmm. you you don't have power. You just have, these are the buttons you're allowed to press. He's basically three, one, one. Yeah, sure. Sure. I've got, because all they can do is tell you to call the police, you know, that's right. That's right. Do you want to file a complaint? Um, so the other dynamic of this scene that we have not talked about, and I feel like we're going to talk about him a lot, is Alan Ruck as Cameron, as Sloan's dad, Mr. Peterson. Well, and, you know, this may be a big statement at the beginning, but I think it's good to make it at the beginning. I think that Cameron is the Kit Keller of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The movie's about him. Ultimately, the movie's really about him, and it's really about 
like the biggest thing, like the biggest transformation, the biggest story, yep. like really like the biggest narrative is Cameron's experience being facilitated by Ferris and sometimes exacerbated by Ferris. Correct. The There's that fan theory, you know about this fan theory that Ferris is in Cameron's head. Oh, I guess maybe I have heard that and I wish I'd remembered that before watching this because I I feel like that that's interesting. And and then that it makes doesn't me hold any water. Yeah. Yeah, oh for sure. Oh, don't get me started on Sloan. Um but the it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold any water if you watch the movie closely enough. Uh, it's a cool thing to think about um, because it just points to the fact that, yes, this is all about Cameron, Cameron and his struggles, his home life, his mental illness and uh, just overcoming himself. Right. And and Ferris being this catalyst to change. Um, but I love him in this scene so much like this scene for me is probably the second most important scene for Cameron the most important in the movie and then the second for Cameron because he he's he's doing a great job like he is kicking ass in Ferris's plan right he's playing Sloan's dad he also loves it like he's having a great time like doing this for Ferris right he's just like oh yeah okay I'm, I'm gonna be part of the plan I'm gonna you know I do this voice right he looks adorable in those suspenders like mm. adorable Hmm. Well, I, I think what's interesting about this, and I feel like there is a the the dynamic of Ferris and Cameron, I think, is really surprisingly complex. I feel like they have a very mm. complex relationship. It's a lot of show, not tell. And I feel like as you know, Cameron starts to go off script, darling, and Ferris is kicking him in the butt and all that. I really like that moment where Cameron was like, "Don't ask me to be a part of your bullshit. If you know the, the part of the shit that you're doing, if you don't like how I do it." Oh, and I love was, when he says that. Ugh. Yeah, and there was something about that where I was like, "Oh, this is about something more than that moment. Like that's a bigger statement about friendship." And like, don't make me your accomplice and then make me your enemy when I don't like play the way you play. For sure. I mean, he he's doing a great job knowing that Cameron is depressed, knowing that he's going through whatever he's going through. Like you see him in the scene and you're like, oh, look at you just like doing it, being a part of it. Like I'm proud of him already. And he's excited to be a part of this plan. Right. Um, and then you I feel like when 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 Ferris hits him. You learn about Cameron probably got hit by his father because mm. he, he's just like, you hit me. Like, you know, Ferris, you know yeah. that. And then that, that's why Ferris is like, no, 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 I lightly slapped you. I, it, it wasn't that. He forgot. Oh, that's true. I feel like, yeah, there was that moment of like, oh, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've crossed the line or you've, you know, you've uh, struck a nerve with Cameron. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is also, though, I feel like, I ultimately I ultimately like Cameron more than I like Ferris. I don't think I really like Ferris Bueller very much. Am I supposed I, to? I I don't know. I think so. I think I respect him. <clears throat> um there's I respect him as a very smart person who is stuck in a system that doesn't work for him. The system being American schooling. And I respect his initiative to live life and the philosophy that he's promoting here, which is like, look, you got to just do it. You got to 
soak everything up. You got to be curious. You got to break some rules and, you know, because rules kind of suck. They're, they're meant to keep us down, right? Like, I, I don't care about European socialists. I care that I don't have a car, right? He's, he's a teenager. And, and that's kind of what his whole motive is. If you don't like him, it's fine. But I, I do respect how he figures this out. And he has a great day. Well, I think that, like, well, I mean, certainly, you know, he's well liked by the ge- the geeks, the sluts, the bloods. I feel like, especially, especially the way that he, you know, the dickheads, especially the, the way dweebos, he, the dickheads, the dweebos, yeah, the way that he talks directly to the camera. I feel like you could look at Ferris Bueller the way that we look at like an Instagram influencer who's like mm. seventeen but has eight million followers and everybody yeah. fucking loves them. And maybe yeah. to thirty eight year old me, it's like, oh god. Kid. Kid, like quiet down back there but like there i you know you can't deny that he's like i don't know i mean i guess if it were really like an instagram influencer you could really you'd always kind of be seeing it through the lens of like well he's doing it for content so it's kind of mm. like ferris bueller is kind of living out the fantasy that instagram influencers want us to believe about their lives because he's not doing it for an audience he's just doing it mary i think he's doing it for cameron Oh, well, certainly. Yeah, I think he's, I I feel like that is like the ultimate, I mean, it's the ultimate love story, right? It's not about Ferris and Sloan. It's about Ferris and Cameron. It absolutely is about Ferris and Cameron. Yes, absolutely. It started when they were in fifth grade. Yeah, but he's not Um, doing it for himself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not like self-promotion, even when he's on the float. It's not self-promotion, right. right, Yeah, even when he's on the float in the parade, he like literally is doing it for Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, right. He's doing it. To excite him and also his girlfriend, right? But so at the end of the day, like it, it, it does kind of come back to him because he wants them to see how great he is, but also that they can do it too. Like it would have been great if Cameron got up there with him, right? Ferris would have loved that. I don't think Ferris needs to be center stage. Right, right. I don't, yeah, I agree. I feel like he would rather have them up there with him than like, oh, don't take the spotlight from me. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. get that main character energy from Ferris Bueller as much as I would expect from someone whose name is in the title of the movie. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's just a narrator, which I appreciate. He's facilitating something. Um, he's actually the teacher here. Uh, you know, obviously these back to school movies, spoiler alert, Mary, we're doing back to school movies this month. Um, but they... That that's why I, I like these movies is that I'm seeing who the teacher really is, right? Because there's a stark contrast in this movie in particular. Um, to continue on with this Cameron in the kitchen fight with Ferris, one of the little nuances of Alan Ruck that I just love, it was a choice. I don't think anybody told him to do that. He makes Cameron do this like foot dance on the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm, that little Did swivel. you notice this? Uh-huh. I, yeah. Don't you do that when you talk on the phone? You do like you're walking in a circle, you're you know, you're doing something weird with your feet. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I I remember one time reading this is this is like the strangest reference, but it's similar to what you're talking about where it was like an old R.L. Stein book and it was like Halloween party or something like that. But there was a scene where there was a girl on the phone with her friend and there was a moment where she was like writing someone's name with her finger on the wall, like just kind of absent mindedly kind of fidgeting. And I was oh. like, Yeah. That detail yeah. always stuck with me of like yeah you just kind of like do weird stuff while you're like you stim out while you're on the phone yeah 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 you're like twirling the 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 little pulley for the the blinds you know mm-hmm. you're yeah yeah you're 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 tracing something with your foot on the wall because you know what i mean like if you're on your back you know i i yes it's basically uh, and i love the, that choice 
it's just it's the John Roberts video of the phone call. You're just doing laundry. You're folding yeah. the blank. You know, you're putting you're making the bed. Yeah, absolutely. But it's even more mundane, inane. Oh, there's no there's no productivity. It's just function. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's he has a wonderful line. Re- well, he has so many great line readings. I think Alan Ruck is highly underrated in this movie. I feel like people quote him more than they quote Ferris. Um, he is, I mean, he just is, it's such a brilliant performance from start to finish, but he says, uh, you make me get out of bed. You make me come over here. You make me make a phony phone call to Edward Rooney. I die. I die. I just love it. Um, and yeah, like you said before, don't ask me to participate in your stupid crap. You don't like the way I do it. Ah, I just love, I love how he says it. And uh, the, the conviction that he has, especially knowing the tantrum that he threw in the car getting over to see Ferris. He's like, ah, you know. Oh, that like is I, some car acting. I just want to mention that whole, oh, like, yes. you know, talking himself out of leaving the house. So that whole, it was all just I'll one go, shot. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Almost all one shot, right? Or was it one shot? It was a lot of one. It was as much a one shot as, like, Laurie Metcalf crying at the airport in Lady Bird. Oh, that uh, off ramp, <laughs> that off ramp meltdown. Sure. Uh, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Um, yeah, he. Oh God, when he when he hits the he hits the seat. Oh God, he's so good. He's so good, and in that cute little Red Wings jersey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I love the costumes in this. I love like th- these are like great Halloween costumes. And when mm. I say these costumes, I'm including Jeannie and I'm including Katie Bueller as well. Oh, completely. Katie. Bu- oh, we, we cannot, we, we will be talking about, I know I just fashion I icon, to... Katie Bueller, Katie Bueller. I just thought, you know, listen, you know, if we don't invoke the, the name of Katie Bueller in the first 20 minutes of this episode, we have uh, no reason to do the rest of the episode. Katie Bueller. God, yeah. I aspired to be her. Uh, um, aspired. The, oh God, God, that one part, where she's at the police station and they they zoom up from her waist to her head, but she's tapping her fingers on her belt with the ring. Oh, mm-hmm. I, 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 um, no. Okay, so Cameron in the car. Um, the way he said, I. This is something that I've taken from this movie, and I didn't realize I took it. But the way that Cameron says, "God damn it," he says, "God damn it," and I. Oh my God! It, and and then it ends with him revving the engine and screaming in the car. Yeah, and like honking the horn. Yeah, uh, Mary, I feel like they were like, Alan, why don't you just, why don't you just do stuff, and we'll 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 edit it together. Yeah, just it brilliant. Was, it was great. I, I I agree. I really think that. You know, Edie McClurg is certainly like a scene stealer and like, you know, we'll talk about, you know, all the other ladies. But like in terms of underappreciated performances in movies, I feel like Alan Ruck is Cameron. Like watching it again, it was like, actually, that's who I left this movie thinking about more than I thought about yeah. Ferris. Oh, completely, completely. And just to end this scene for our clip of the week, you know, he's like, have a nice life. And, oh, God, I love this moment. Ferris goes, I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. And uh, Cameron goes, you serious? Ah, it was just such a sweet, like, oh, they have, they can talk to each other about their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that way that it's not like Dawson's Creek. Like, I feel like that there is sort of that pouting that Cameron mm. is doing in the kitchen with 
um with ferris where it's 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 also a bit like you know when two dogs fight and then they kind of just walk around each other and kind of like with their ears flat for a little bit and then they get Mm. over it oh sure yeah it's uh i don't know it works for me it works for me in in many many ways i think i i love their friendship i don't think there's any gay shit i I think that yeah i think that cameron has has unloaded no pun intended on ferris for much of his life. I think Ferris knows exactly what's going on in that house. Um, Ferris is also hated by his father for probably a lots of reasons, right? Or they Cameron's probably got into a lot of trouble. That's what I mean. Well, no, but Ferris is also, he, Ferris says it at the end of the movie. He's like, no, don't worry. Your father hates me already. Oh, I'll take I thought the you blame. were saying that Ferris's father hated him. And I was like, not Lyman oh. Ward. <laughs> For not God's Tom sake. Bueller. Not Tom Bueller driving a red Audi sedan. Not Tom uh, Bueller. Not Tom Bueller. Not Tom Bueller stopping at uh, Steamworks on the way home. Oh God! All I want to do is is pull down Tom Bueller's whitey tighties and just get that married dick. <laughs> That's exactly what it Milton is. Del- Milton and packed and send him on his way to Winnetka or wherever he's going. Yeah, I mean, maybe Steamworks wasn't open in 87, but uh, I know, uh, what was it? Man's Country definitely was. So oh, who knows? Maybe yeah. he stopped in Boys Town before popping over to uh, Oak Park or Buffalo Grove, wherever this family, this very, yeah. very rich family lives. Yeah, I think the school was in like Richmond. Is that a thing? Richmond, Richmond Park? Richmond? I don't know. I was watching it at the credits, but I remember seeing Winnetka, Highland Park, and then, like, somewhere else. I mean, I guess I could just look on the... Wait, Highland Park is a very... Well... A ri- that... There's Ridgemont Lane. There's Chicago Ridge, Illinois. But, uh, yeah, Highland Park is... Well, it's like a Buffalo Grove. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you where these... You know, I know that we're talking about, you know, having sex with Lyman Ward at a Steamworks. But let me just talk about locations <laughs> Man's country. Let's, let's, yeah. let's just re-edit it. Yeah. yeah. So Cameron... <laughs> yeah, man's country. Excuse me. Man's country. is the 80s. You know. It's the 80s. Uh, yeah. With Ed Rooney. Uh, but, yeah, with Edward Rooney. Edward yeah. Rooney. So Cameron's house and the Ferrari garage were uh, in Highland Park, Illinois, which makes <gasps> sense because that was beautiful. That totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and I will say I have lots of thoughts, but that is such a bachelor pad of a house. Like, it's obvious that the father, even though the parents, it sounds like they're still together, it's the dad is calling all the shots. Yeah, because, you know, Cameron says he loves his car, he hates his wife, you know, and so the house yep. is, it's a home for the cars, yeah. Right, uh, right. Oh, I love this. Katie Bueller's real estate office was in Winnetka. and <gasps> Oh, my God. Then the running home scene, so all of that was in Northbrook. Northbrook. Well, that's where they filmed it, right? Well, that's that's it says running home scenes, Northbrook. So like, yeah, where they filmed it. I mean, what's the difference? Right. Unless they specifically say, you know, hey, Ferris, you got to get home to Northbrook. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Well, Northbrook is just north of uh, Evanston. Uh, okay, so this all sort of makes sense. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's near. I feel like the Bueller's actually lived very near. um the McAllisters. Well, the crazy thing is the house was filmed in Long Beach, but I think in terms of the the fantasy Chicago that we love, I think that yes, I think that the Buellers don't live far from the McAllisters. And who were the other family in Chicago we just talked about? Oh, uh, Ventures and Babysitting. Ventures and ba- no, no, no. It was just recently we just talked about like oh they live in the same neighborhood as the Buellers or the McAllisters. I feel like there was oh. another. Sh- 
There, there, I'm sure there was, Mary. I don't think you're making it up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I am. Um, but in any event, yes, I I love, because, you know, I love... Sh- I, I, here's a thought about Chicago. Well, we're talking about Chicago, and then we can get back to Lyman Ward at the man's country. But uh-huh. I, you know, I love Chicago. I have a deep, like, crush on Chicago. And I realized that I probably can't ever move there because then my fantasy version of Chicago would be shattered by reality because my fantasy is very specific. You know, I've only ever been there in the summer, you know, Mary, you're only going to find out one way I got to say, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, loving a city from afar and fantasizing about it. Right. That's my relationship with DC. I don't know how awful DC is. I've only visited, you know, for like three or four days in my twenties and I loved it. Um, It's got some nice areas. Yeah. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Marys, I'm going to be straight with you. We're here to talk about therapy. And the rumors are true. I do love talking about therapy. And I do genuinely love therapy. This year has been a real journey for me, and the path forward was not always clear. One of the ways I navigated it was by talking to a therapist. She was able to give me a space to verbalize all of my concerns and fears, which led to a lot of aha moments on its own. But she was also able to shine a light on a lot of things I wasn't necessarily looking at or seeing clearly. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AllRightMary today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AllRightMary. All right, Mary. Before we talk about Lemon Ward and Man's Country, do we want to just kind of set up with, for our Marys what they're listening to? <laughs> Oh, you know, I, you know, and it's been, you know, we, we've been on our own, you know, Sister Mary Bueller's a few weeks off. And so, you know, for some folks, they haven't heard from us in a little bit. Uh, But we are, we are back. We are back in your ears every week now, uh, I believe. Mm -mm. Nope, just kidding. Only if you're a Matreon are we back in your ears every week because for Matreons uh, and occasionally for Free Skate Marys, it is uh, back to school month. An all right, Mary. Back to school, yes. Uh, Saved by the Bell. Uh, yeah. We're going to be doing this month. We're doing a couple of movies that have to deal with schooling uh, on the free feed. On the Matron feed, you know, you're getting one every week. Um, I'm very excited about some of these movies. Actually, all of these movies, if I'm being honest. Uh, we will be covering Drag Drag Race UK at the end of the month on Matreon as well. And when we do that, we're going to be covering some all right scary movies on the main feed every week. So, uh, you know, uh, when we get to October, Mary's, you'll be hearing some spooky stuff. Oh, my God. It is my favorite time of year. And we planned out the schedule a couple days ago. And I think we both agree that, like, we have got... I, I would say both Back to School Month and All Right Scary are solid programming. I think really curated, like move over Criterion Collection Closet. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I don't know what Criterion Collection Closet is, but it sounds really fun. It's kind of like Man's Country, except like a little bit less Lyman Ward and a little bit more like Ari Aster. <laughs> 
I love that for you. Well, anyway, Marys, we are going to continue our discussion with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it, it it's this iconic movie from 1986. It has Jennifer Grey before Jennifer Grey was Jennifer Grey, I believe. Uh, Is that I, wrong or right? I can look that up because, I mean, it was certainly before uh, Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, yeah. And Jennifer Grey and Matthew Broderick uh, were then together for a little bit after this. They got together. I think they even got, like, engaged. Oh, my God. And then they got into this car accident in Northern Ireland, and the people in the other car died. And I think... (gasps) I had no idea. Yeah, and so I think that may have been like, hey, listen, Matt. I don't think we come back from this. I think we just, <laughs> I just don't like, I, what are we going to do? Like, you know, go to Dorney Park next summer and not talk about what just happened you know, in Northern <laughs> Ireland? Well, you know how you come back from that. You get a divorce and you marry Sarah Jessica Parker. Absolutely. So. And, you know, listen, I love Sarah Jessica Parker. I think I, I love do. the gays. I love yeah. the gays. Go gays. Um, so, just no, to, I mean, just her career. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Like, this was, this was really her big. Yeah, because Red star. Dawn, Red Dawn. So she was in Red Dawn with uh, Patrick Swayze. Mm, that's right. And they did not get along. And uh, yes. but yeah, then then this was kind of a probably her first big hit, and then Dirty Dancing. And we talked about this a little bit in the Dirty Dancing episode, like Jennifer Grey's career. Because you know what? After these two movies, yep, I think I need to go back and watch Red Dawn. Right, we don't get enough of Jennifer Grey for you know, uh, really ever. Um, really ever after she, this, she's yeah. in Bounce. You think we should ever do Bounce? I don't know, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was, I, you know, looking back on it, if we're gonna be meta about it, I was like, oh yeah, one of those '80s John Hughes movies. <laughs> Watching it again now, not only do I catch all of the jokes and catch the tone and the aesthetic of this. It it's a lot more sophisticated than I expected and than I remembered. I agree. I think it's very easy to just think of this as, yeah, as just like this, you know, uh, crazy Ferris. And you just kind of think of all the wacky moments. But, like, mm-hmm. it has a surprising number of, like, you know, heartfelt moments that I also don't feel... I haven't seen The Breakfast Club in a while, but I, I feel like I might look back on something like that and go, oh, yeah, that would really speak to me in high school. You know, but maybe as an adult now, I don't really kind of get as swept up in the message of The Breakfast Club. Whereas I feel like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like it still resonates, even though it's about like a specific time, you know, in your high school life. I, I kind of feel like no matter how old you are, you still have that specific time in your life that you kind of like look back on. Sure. Yeah. I... I appreciate so many choices in this movie. I mean, I, if I'm being honest with you, I think I love all of the choices. Uh, the, the opening scene is iconic with the parents looking down on Ferris. You have the parade scene. You have Jeannie and the phone and screaming into it. You have, uh, obviously, Edward Rooney being like a, a, a P.I. in the middle of a school day. Um, I... Yeah, and then obviously you have this amazing story with Cameron. Um, I yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I'm so pleasantly surprised. Well, let's you know, I I I think going in order of things because you know you mentioned the beginning of the movie, and that's when we first see Katie Bueller's outfit, and I just <sighs> want to highlight you know 
so it's this and really for me it's always been the jacket it's been the black and white stripy jacket mm. it's it's a whole bunch of patterns i will say the pants it's almost a little aggressive i think there's a little black top underneath and then that hair every hair the has hair. just been aqua netted in place uh, and uh Katie she's a great expectations like 80s advertisement for a salon you know oh absolutely she she's she's sitting in a salon under a patrick nagel print like waiting for her appointment with angie you know correct correct uh, and she's of course played by cindy pickett who i doubt we've ever talked about before but i feel like nope. cindy pickett's one of those like I, i've probably she's probably been on like the Hogan family, you know what I mean? Or she probably shows oh up, my, right? Isn't you she, know? Is she the mom? Like I feel like she's the mom, you she's, know. But that she's that not. was Sandy Duncan, but she looks just, and they replaced replaced Valerie Harper, and Sandy Duncan had one eye, one eye. But Edie McClurg was on the Hogan family for a little bit, so maybe she would have been like, oh, "Oh, we're kicking Valerie out. Oh, I know somebody. She's popular with the geeks, the sluts, the bloods. <laughs> it's Cindy Pickett." Cindy Pickett. No, she. What, what sticks out for me is obviously the jacket and the hair, but it's the rings. It's like the jewelry that she's wearing. It's so ornate. It's such a perfect realtor's outfit. Like, I know what she yeah. smells like. Yeah. And this is like when I think about like the kind of drag I would want to do, and I think about like the. The concept mm. of Barbara Please. It's essentially mm. Katie Bueller, but in like 1992, you know? It's like just a couple know, years later. A couple yeah. years later, now she drives like a Ford Taurus station wagon, you know? Sure. She caught um, Tom, you know, at a rest stop. Oh, man's country. You know what I mean? Or on a, you know, in his own, making his own little man country in Winnetka, in the Winnetka, you know, public know Hollywood park. Beach, you know, on yeah. the way home on Lakeshore Drive, he stops off, you know, uh, Bryn Mawr and, and pulls over. Yeah, yeah she'd no, know sure. that red Audi anywhere. Yeah. yeah, she saw him. She saw him. Oh, she yeah. got used to it, you know, because Tom is just like Ferris. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like once she realized, you know, the, the scheming that Ferris was up to, she was like, well, he doesn't get it from me. You know, it's, right. it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like baby's mom and dirty dancing. He doesn't get it from me. You know, <laughs> she gets it from me. She Thanks, gets Kelly it from Bishop. me. Oh, I love that line. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the way that Katie turns and looks at Jeannie in this scene, she, I mean, Mary, I can't, I can't tell you how impeccable Katie Bueller is or Cindy Pickett is in this role. It's, it, it, the tone is similar to how every choice Mink Stoll made in Serial Mom is. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is just, she knew exactly what to do. Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. And of course, yeah, I love once they get to the police station. I just love her versus Jeannie. I just love. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. No, now, Jeannie. Now. Oh, my God. Jeannie, like that whole part of like Jeannie stumbling, being very baby, you know, yeah. uh, stumbling down the stairs and then Cindy picking at the bottom of the stairs. Jeannie now. Jeannie now. That, Mary. And it's uh, it's probably not what people remember the most about it. But the, during the chase scene. At the end of the movie, I know we're oh. jumping ahead here, but but we're talking about Katie Bueller, yeah, and Katie's eventually moments. we're going to be talking about Jenny, Jenny Gray. But that scene, the, the the shots of them in the car, where Jeannie is just going insane, she is speeding home to catch her brother. I love that ri sibling rivalry between them. I think it's adorable and perfectly placed in this movie when she is just speeding to get home and. Uh, <laughs> Fucking Katie Bueller is screaming at Jeannie with the I can't yellow drive paper. Screaming at me. 
and she's waving the yellow paper at her. Uh, it's so good. It is slapstick at, at like perfection, and like not too over the top. Still, what and wonderfully placed, wonderfully edited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love those scenes. I love that. Yeah, I and I feel like that is something that I I appreciate about in a movie that is called Ferris Bueller's Day Off and could very much just be just about Ferris. I actually found that there were a lot of moments between supporting characters that he wasn't a part of, and mm. I I like that. I like that we see you know Ed and Grace, we see Jeannie yep. and and Katie, we see Jeannie and and the kid at the you know and Charlie Sheen at the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, Genie versus Ed, you know, really anything with Genie. Let's be real, you know. Really, uh, we actually get Cameron and Sloane talking, which I thought that was interesting. Is one of my favorites was when she was like, you know, uh, you know, well, what are you interested in? And he's like, nothing, and she's like, yeah, me neither. Me and neither. they don't resolve that. I love that. Oh, so so eighties, yeah, yeah, and it is so true. It is. It's also so eighties, like. There, th- there was nothing wrong with that. It's actually, it was actually like celebrated. Like, yeah, you're you're 18. Well, you, of course, you don't know what you want to do. Of course not. You're yeah. in this awful American education system. Sorry, I'm going to keep going back to that refrain. You're in this system that just doesn't work with these drones, these directors, these totalitarian uh, Ben Steins just spewing facts at you, and you're not interacting with any of the knowledge. You're not excited by any of it. You you don't have any chance to be curious about anything. So, of course, you're not going to be interested in anything. You're also, you know, in the 80s, you have this malaise about you as a teenager, right? Because you're being raised by these boomers. It's wild. It's wild to me. Yeah, and I guess it's, you know, I mean, I feel like this is a generation where it was like, well, of course you go to college next. And, of course, we grew up yep. in the generation of, of course, you go to college after high school. And I, I think there's a part of me and like, listen, I'm never going to have kids and God bless the people who've decided to. But now I would not consider college like a prerequisite for somebody. I would not like I would say that's an option. But like, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a requirement. I don't think college is necessarily right for every kid. And I feel like in no, a lot of cases, all. college is just kind of like a social experiment versus like an actual educational experiment. You know, experience. I, I totally heard. I think the those years are very formative for a reason. It's because they're actually not learning much. They're developing in high school. They're they're getting habits of mind, habits of skills, right? Like they're learning how to write a sentence. They're not really in high school. At least back then, and and not until very recently and depending on the school, they're not learning critical thinking skills. That's what Ferris has. Ferris has the ability to think critically about his education and his life. And he's like, no, no, this doesn't work for me, right? He's a critical thinker. Whereas most kids just aren't like that. They're not taught to challenge or to interact even with what they're thinking. This week we're also doing Mona Lisa Sideways Smile, and that's the whole premise of that movie, is that Julie Roberts comes in and she's like, no, think critically about this. Um, it, it's not just what how to feel about this, right? And that's, I feel like, what's wrong with most K through eight, sorry, K through 12 education. And it's not until you get to college that you start to develop what you like and go after what you want to learn, right? Uh, which is, you know, where you develop, uh, you know, uh, uh, sensibilities and, and things that, that, uh, that you enjoy, right? You're not forced to go to math class. You choose to elect to take 
art history, you know what I mean, in college. And I think that's kind of the difference. Um, it's just unfortunate. And sorry, just got to go back to your point. It's like, yeah, going to college isn't for everybody. Um, but I think there's a lot of wasted time. Like you could essentially have different trade schools be a lot more popular um, if kids were set up for that. Uh, yeah. That was like a good option. I mean, I, I feel like it is a, you know, a totally valid option. I think about so many people who, and you know, no shade to anybody listening. I mean, I went, I got a liberal arts education. I got a degree in writing that frankly, I don't think made me any better of a writer. I think it just gave me more. I never felt like I was growing as a writer in college. I was more of like, okay, like not that I was so amazing, but like, it wasn't challenging me. It was just an opportunity to write. It was a reason to write because I had an assignment, because I had a, you know, a, a final project, whatever. But like, what would I have been any more or less or better or worse of a writer if I didn't go to college? No, absolutely not. And am I using that degree now? I maybe. I guess you could say that like I do writing. You know, I I have used it in the past. I use it in some ways for this podcast. But like ultimately. I didn't need to go to college to do All Right, Mary. And for all the people out there who like went out and got a degree in psychology and now, you know, you work in an ad agency, it's like, it, so what was the point other than like to meet the people you like moved to New York with and lived with for two years? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't really see what the value is if you're not going to school for something that specifically needs more schooling, like becoming a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Um, but like as someone who went and got a liberal arts education, I can't say that it was worth it from an education standpoint. And I don't think it contributed anything to my ability to support myself as an adult. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything, it might have given you time to develop, time to get away from your parents, right? There's there's lo lots of stuff like that in a controlled environment, right? Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? So a there very is expensive that controlled environment. Oh my god, very, I think that's very the expensive. other part of it. Is like yeah. it's I agree with you. There's like a lot of in terms of development that it's good for. It's just a shame that people take out 80 and 100,000 yep. dollar loans to do yep. it and then they're in Well, they're doing that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh as uh, and you know, they're they're doing that for that resume, right? I you know, as a music student, I will say, like, looking back, like, I absolutely, I was lucky that I chose something like a trade like music. There are music majors that major in it and then don't do anything music related after college, right? They just don't do that. Mine was very specific because it was teaching. So I, I, I gained a lot of skill. I don't know how I would have become a good teacher quick, quickly enough had I, you know, got a liberal arts degree and then went to like uh teach for america or something like that like i got mm. a lot of experience in those four years um that that set me up for success and i was able to apply and get jobs and whatever very easily because of the degree um rather than going through a program like teach for america which is you know totally valid it's not for everybody sometimes it's really good for people sometimes it's just a stepping stone until they go to law school you know what i mean but um that, that that's a whole other story anyway we are way off track but yeah. we did love cameron and sloan talking about ferris without ferris there because we kind of got their perspective and uh, to be honest with you that's when i started to appreciate ferris a little bit when we got to watch him from their standpoint because he's fine he's also not forcing them really i mean he's 
strongly coercing them to do certain things. But he, they also see him as like this fabulous celebrity clown, you know? Um, and I, I kind of, because, you know, they're like, he's going to be, he's going to be serving fries at the Phoenix, whatever the line is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, I wonder, because I feel like one of the sort of themes towards the end of the movie is like there's something temporary about all of this. You know, Ferris and, and uh, Cameron are going to go to different schools. Sloan still has another year of high school left. Like this could, even though Sloan's like last line is like, oh, he's going to marry me. Mm. Chances are he's not going to marry her. Chances are like there will be many other girls in Ferris's life as he kind of evolves on i feel like there's a little bit of like add there uh that he's just gonna kind of keep moving along but um you really don't like ferris <laughs> i i i don't think i do i mean i think i appreciate him but i also feel like i i, I see, see him but i i see ferris and cameron as like opposite ends of a manic spectrum I think that Cameron is like deeply depressed and deeply in a low and I think that Ferris in some ways this is like hypermania like yeah. he is just wild. I mean if you really look at it like all everything that went kid. on at the restaurant, jumping yeah. into the parade, taking the car at the beginning like this is yeah. manic behavior. Yeah. And I mean I, it it also you know, looks like joie de vivre, right? Like it also looks like that, but you're absolutely right. Like it is if I as a from a parent standpoint, I'm like you are not hanging out with Ferris Bueller ever again. Yeah. I mean, and it, even like the whole idea of like Ferris's idea was like, oh, we'll just run the car in reverse to mm. take the, the miles off. It's like, that's the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard of. And like, and then there's like, oh, okay, well, if that doesn't work, we'll just break open. We'll just break the car open and roll back the odometer. It's like there, Ferris doesn't, like sure joie de vivre he doesn't really care about the consequences but he also like doesn't care about the consequences because they don't affect him yeah he was willing to take the fall for cameron i i do think that he loves cameron like i think that he really he thought everything was going to be fine i think he was really assured of that and to be honest with you mary everything would have been fine if it weren't for the joy riders that I think I mean they still wouldn't have been able to roll back any of the miles they put on the car six miles you know it, it it sure you're right and it wouldn't have been that big of a deal in in the father's eyes you know what I mean and I guess I feel like yeah camera or Ferris is willing to like take the fall but like it's still no loss to Ferris it's not it's like no love lost the guy already hates him so it's kind yeah. of like yeah just you know he already hates me. Just pile it up, put it onto my tab because I, I guess, and I know that I'm like going in hard on Ferris. It's sort of a uh, devil's advocate or sort of the, the theory of like, what sure. if Ferris Bueller is an asshole is like, yeah, he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any remorse. You know what I mean? It's like, put it on me because I don't feel guilt. You know what I mean? Something like that. Um, it's just an interesting idea because I think Ferris Bueller is this like example and is this kind of figurehead of just like, you know, living life in the now and, and, you know, if you don't stop and look around and all that stuff and people make it their high school quotes. And I just like the idea that like, there is an alternate view of like, actually Ferris Bueller was the problem. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think that makes the movie more interesting. Oh, no question. And yeah, no, I don't think Ferris is perfect at all. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, he's a little swindler. Right. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he tells us at the start of the movie, he will not let let it go that he has to bum a fucking ride from his friend that, that if you kind of go back to the beginning, that's really the only reason he calls Cameron 
is because he needs his fucking car, which yeah. is such bullshit, right? And and then he he's an opportunist, so he he finds a reason to use the Ferrari because you know he, they have to pick up Sloan, so. It, and they it, lead it's almost Sloan, like the whole time he knew that, you know, and leads Sloan to believe that her grandmother's dead. You know, uh, I think she knew Mary. I think she knew the whole time because the number that he calls to find out if the grandmother is dead is Sloan's voice crying. Oh, but I guess okay, all right. Because I did, I did wonder when did they do like what did they go to Sloane's house and record that quickly? Okay, because I felt like it was sort of like in You've Got Mail, where it's like, Tom, you're just like lying to Meg Ryan for half of this movie. You're openly like gaslighting her, and now we're supposed to believe that you're like in love at a farmer's market on the Upper West Side. Like, come on. But no, no. Sloan is Sloan learned. I mean, Sloan, Sloan and Cameron are cut from the same cloth as Ferris. Uh, you know, we want to blame Ferris, and and we do, right, for being kind of the mastermind here. But oh, man, Cameron is really good at doing that voice. Like he's very good at the improv and 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 reading those lines. And Sloan too. She did it at the restaurant. She did it on that answering machine. And she knew that she had to pretend to be sad when what's her name? Florence God, I bolded it because I love the name. Florence Sparrow, the beautiful oh, nurse. Yes, gave Virginia her that Capers. Hug. Yeah, <laughs> she's a classic actress. I was like Virginia oh. Capers. Jenny, Jenny Capers. I love Jenny Capers. Jenny so, Capers. She died unfortunately. In uh, I figured. I figured. But she's uh, a she's a hoot. So yeah. No, she she. But she cried. She no. She knew what she was doing. Sloane is Sloane is Ferris's girlfriend. Mary. She's also. She gets it. She gets it. She's like, no, school sucks. Sloane's a hard one to read. I actually feel like I couldn't really get a sense of Sloane until that conversation with Cameron where she was like, what are you interested in? And she, he was like, nothing. She's like, me neither. And she laughs about it. I was like, oh, I yeah, love that like Sloane, like it's kind of cool that Sloane is not the like the doting girlfriend who's like, Ferris, you've got to get your shit together. you got to go to college next year. <laughs> Sloane is just kind of like, I don't care. And I like you don't really. She challenges him when he's like, we can get married. She's like, really? What? Are you kidding? Certainly. But she's not like she's not Kiki Dunst in Mona Lisa's smile. No, no, she's She's a little bit more Maggie Gyllenhaal. And I just I love that because I think in these kind of situations, it's very easy for the Sloan character to just be the pretty sensible girlfriend. But in this, it's like, no, Sloan's actually like she's. It's uh, this is a housewives reference, but for our real housewives of New York fans, Sloan is a Carol. Sloan is a Carol Radzewell. I feel like that's she's kind of cool, she's kind of low key, but then the more you get to know her, it's like, oh, Sloan, you're kind of a like, you're a little, you're a little schemer, aren't you? Like, yeah, you know what you're doing. No, I think she knows what she's doing. And Ma- Mary, to be honest with you, I think she knows who she's dating i think she knows she's dating ferret the ferris bueller everybody loves him and she she knows who she's dating i don't think she you know she's a little bit younger than i'm sure but like i i think she's really smart i also think she's probably the worst written character in the movie Mm. so we're making a lot of this stuff up uh we're giving her the benefit of the of the doubt but i do think that when she says like he's gonna marry me i think she's like oh no i i think he actually really does like me and I think, well, that's an interesting 
you know, question is like, does he really like me or is, am I just like a convenient part of like the narrative? You know what I mean? Cause like the mm-hmm. character of uh, Ferris Bueller, the save Ferris, Ferris Bueller would have to have this like hot girlfriend. Like, am I just kind of his like hot chill girlfriend? Is he using me the way he's using Cameron for his car? And yeah, I, right. I don't know. I, I agree though, that that character is probably the weakest written character. I don't feel like I come out of this with, much of a sense of who Sloan is. And I I just think of that brand of urinals. I always just see the name Sloan and I think of Sloan. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. She, she Ferris. um, One thing, one kind of detail that they kind of give out amongst the absurdity that everybody's talking about Ferris and how he's sick. Like there's that article in the newspaper, like, community rallies around sick youth like it's, it's so funny the absurdity that like you know the police officers are all pulling for him uh when she calls 911 you know Jeannie's like no my brother's fine you know like uh, it's uh, it, i just think that that whole absurdity of everybody's worried about Ferris in one day is so funny but the one detail that does come out is like no Ferris does things for people like Ferris actually will help you get out of a jam he'll 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 write your term paper. He'll you know get you out of summer fix, school. Yeah, get you out of summer school. He'll fix something for you. You know, like when that say Ferris guy is collecting money, he's like you know you stupid wench, right? He's just like you know if you ever need Ferris, he's not gonna. I there's something about Ferris that we don't see the whole time, and I would love it if there was like a Ferris Bueller series or a cartoon a la Beetlejuice where like we learn that Ferris is like a philanthropist and is a schemer, right? He's, he is always trying to get out of school and it's him versus Rooney for the series, but he's, he does good things for people. Um, Cause I think that's, that's what it is. This whole day off. Yeah. It was self-serving and he did something good for Cameron. Well, I think that that's like the, the nuance of this movie is that we never see Ferris in school. And so we don't kind of see the effect he has on everybody because it opens mm. with that morning. And so um, there, there was a brief uh, TV series of Ferris Bueller in, from 1990 to 1991 oh. that perhaps expanded on uh, exactly what you're talking about. But oh, I'd love to catch this. What was who was in it? Well, someone named Charlie Schlatter played Ferris, but Jennifer Aniston played Jeannie. Oh my God, Jenny Aniston! Jenny Aniston, you love her. Cloris Leachman played a grandma in an episode. Um, let's look at this Charlie Schlatter situation. Oh, he looks... oh, oh, that's my Jennifer Aniston. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't she have like some tick that people talk about where she goes like, mm, like before every sentence or something like that? Oh. Well, what's her face does a perfect Jenny Aniston on SNL. Oh, yeah. yeah that girl. Uh, uh, Bayer. Vanessa Bayer. Yeah. Vanessa Bayer. It is. Oh, 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 it's so good. I just love her in that. Judith Cahan is Grace. Okay. Judith Kahan. Uh, you love her. Charlie Schlatter. Yeah. yeah he, I'm looking he looks kind of cute. He's 57. He lo- He's from Englewood, New Jersey. Oh. oh. Well, you know, I wanted to mention, speaking of which, Mia Sarrow was born in Brooklyn Heights. So you might be living, <gasps> you might be bathing in the exact tub where Mia Sarah's mother gave birth to her. <laughs> it was a water birth. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> It was a water birth. Mia yeah. Sarah, did you see? I don't think you did. I feel like this is a movie you would never see. But did you see Legend? 
I did not see Legend. I don't even think I could tell you three things about Legend. Is and that... ta- it's with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry, okay? Oh, yeah, this is news to me. Uh... That's one thing. Directed by Ridley Scott. Okay. 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 A young man must stop the Lord of Darkness from destroying daylight and marrying the woman he loves. Jesus H. Bacon Snakes. Okay. It's one of those movies where like you have to be really high to watch it, and I do think that you should watch it really high. And Tim Curry as the devil or Lord of Darkness is incredible. It's he's he's unrecognizable. All right. Well, maybe uh, let's see. Is it available to? Oh, I can rent it on Prime for three ninety nine. How do you like that? Okay. And it's uh, hour and thirty four minutes. I got time for that. And tall. Um, anyway, okay, Ferris Bueller, right? So we have that opening scene where we learn about Rest Up Daddy, Tom Bueller, style oh. icon Katie Bueller. We learn that Katie and Tom like hate Jeannie, uh, which oh, I just yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should shoot her. Yeah. I do <laughs> I love that. We should shoot her. I think we should shoot her. <laughs> they treat her like they treat Meg on Family Guy. It's Absolutely. Just so funny. <laughs> well, fun fact. Cindy and Lyman ended up getting married. They also were a love connection <gasps> from oh. this. And then they divorced in 92, but I don't believe there was a car accident in Northern Ireland. That was really <laughs> oh my God. I just, you know, uh, Ferris Bueller's, you know, hard left. Yeah. There's a lot of iconic imagery from Ferris Bueller and the opening scene where Ferris Bueller is our narrator, you know, as the kind of um, plot device, um, him in the shower with the mohawk, you know, little mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick. I, I can't say that I'm attracted to Matthew Broderick. I don't think I've ever been attracted to Matthew Broderick. Um, and I still kind of like I think he's adorable as Ferris. Yeah, I think he's adorable as Ferris. I I'm not I, I'm not attracted to him. I did write that down. The question of like what is, um, what is the the you know the sex appeal, the appeal. or the the appeal of Matthew Broderick? I think he's he he has especially in the shower scene. But he had this to me feels like a kid who watches a lot of Pee Wee's Playhouse. This is a Pee Wee kid. Mm. You know, oh, a Pee Wee kid. He's okay. a Pee Wee kid, and so I feel like. Uh, He's like, and that's charming, but I don't think of him as like, in the same way I don't think of Pee Wee as like sexual, but I think of him as very charming. He's very charming. I would love to see him in Torch Song. I can't find that movie anywhere. Like I can't even, I, I think I, I think it's on illegal streaming somewhere and you have to like click through like 18 links to watch it. But oh, he really? played the lover. Yeah. Torch Song trilogy from 1988. I feel like I've, I feel like I've seen it. Where have I seen it then if it's so hard to find? You might have seen clips of Harvey Firestein kind of doing a couple of the monologues, but like maybe. Yeah, it's really hard to find. Uh right, you so have to click through a, a bunch of links, but um you know, and Bancroft's in it. So and Bancroft's in it. Maybe I'm just thinking of the play. Maybe I just cuz I saw the play with uh with Mercedes Rule, not to be confused <sighs> with Georgia Rule. George Rule. Um, you know, Ferris's room is also iconic. Uh, just the chaos in that room. Uh, the, the, the British flag, the trophy, everything is covered. He's kind of a cool kid, though, right? Like, he's, he's kind of a nerd slash cool kid. Like, he gets along with everybody, which is why I think Ferris is also not real. I think that Ferris is kind of a grown up Kevin McAllister. Like this is kind of who mm. Kevin McAllister grows up to be 
is Ferris Bueller, like scheming and, and, you know, doing all these, you know, building all these elaborate tricks schemes and getting out of sticky situations and being mm-hmm. charming and funny. I, I mean, I feel like there is a, in a way, you know, Home Alone is a prequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's, you know, Kevin McAllister's Home Alone. Kevin McAllister's Home Alone, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's there's something kind of I don't know. There's something kind of cool about him, and how like he calls the school. He's talking to people to spread the word that he's sick in those green and black striped pants. Like he has a mocktail out by the pool in his house. Like I don't know, Ferris. God, he's not real, and because he's he's doing everything the way that a kid would wish we were doing it you know yeah he's kind of uh it's like god i haven't seen the movie blank check in a long time but i feel like for Mm. kids of our generation at least Mm -hmm. like the second act of that movie was like this is it this is the fantasy of what i would do if i got it's like a million dollars he ends up spending like only a million tens of millions of dollars in the movie but i would do that movie in a second by the way but oh uh, write it down yeah yeah oh my god i would love to do blank check Ugh. Uh, Georgia Rule yeah. as well, right? And Georgia Rule, blank check, Georgia Rule. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, Mercedes Rule. I I, I want to talk about another uh, kind of the thing that people quote the most here, right? Bueller, Bueller, Ben Stein had no reason becoming famous from this movie, and yet it was his depiction of a teacher, his depiction of what school is uh, that made him iconic and then obviously, like, what people take away from this movie that teachers more often than not, especially back then, like were the opposite of exciting. It's, it's like, it's dull, it's boring, it's horrible. And he did such a perfect job. And it was in stark contrast with who, who one of the women that I would play in this movie, Simone Adamley. Oh, yes. I, I first just want to say Ben Stein, all of that was just like improvised. That was just him giving an economics presentation and teaching uh, about the, the Holly Smoot, the ho- the Holly Smoot tariff and all of that. Um, but yes, then we get a wonderful little cameo from uh, the original Buffy Summers yes. herself, not Kirsten, Christy. Christy. Swanson. Christy, who's like, what like uh anti-vax kind oh, of is she oh yeah she went like way off the rails recently oh uh, wow i love I when believe. that happens <laughs> i love when they go off the rail i think ben stein went off the rails too i love when they go off yes, the rails he did because yeah. i just like why should we expect like I, I always say this with jamie lee curtis why should i expect her to be down to earth she's jamie lee curtis why should yeah. they not expect Christy Swanson, Ben Stein, Jenny McCarthy. Why should I not Scott expect Bayo. this? Scott uh-huh. Bayo. Yeah. Like, fine. Yeah. Like, wh- yeah. who was I to sit here thinking Scott Bayo should be anything other than what Scott Bayo is right now? Yeah, you know, life moves pretty fast. Yeah, um, you don't so- stop and look around. You could get vaccinated. <laughs> I, I, I just want to read her line because it's so wonderful. Um, she goes... Uh, he's sick, <laughs> which you could just, I could just stop there and yeah. it's still iconic. Right. Uh, he's sick, which I just love. And she goes, my best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid who's going with a girl who saw Ferris pass out in 31 flavors last night. I guess it's pretty flavors. serious. <laughs> 
And then she goes, no problem whatsoever. Um, she is everything to me and uh, in this movie. And I, I love her. I love her almost as much as the girl that says, hi, Jeannie. And then Jennifer Grey says, shut up. Oh, I love it. Because I also, I love the little friend that she's talking to beforehand. Uh, who is like, yes. oh, he's such a sweetie. Gotta go. Yeah. Um, yeah. She goes. She goes. She. He said that if Ferris dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Oh, he's, oh, such, he's a such a sweetie. sweetie. Gotta go. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> yeah, and then that other girl. Hi, Jeannie. Yeah. Shut up. Oh, Shut it's up. so brilliant. Um, back to this the scene with Ben Stein. I sent you a, a screenshot of her. Uh, oh, her. Today. Yeah, Mary. The the nuance. Of this girl. Who is this actress? Mary's will post it on Instagram. There's this one actress. Because there's this part where Ben Stein is giving the economics lecture. And they show the kids reactions to him. And they're all just like, bleh. One kid's like drooling. Another girl is popping her gum. But there's this one girl in a yellow jacket. And her head is on her wrists or her hands on the desk. And she is... She glares. And I'm just like, how did they capture this? The nuance of this, it's like four seconds, is so funny. Well, I don't know. It might be her. But on IMDb, you know, they'll include like uncredited actors. And there's one named Katie Barberi. And (laughs) it listed as economics student. And I think this might be her. Katie I think Barberry. I think this could be uh, her, which is Paris. just great for Katie. Obviously, do you, does it? Do you see her? I, there's her no like face? picture of her from the movie, but you do see her IMDb picture. She kind of looks like a um, like a low budget Canadian Michelle Pfeiffer in her IMDb picture, which is a compliment, by the way. IMDb. Can you spell her last name? B-A-R-B-E-R-I. Oh, she's a Mexican-American bilingual actress who's arguably one of the most recognizable telenovela stars of her time. Here we are, not even knowing who she is, and she is a telenovela star. That does look like her. She was in 190 episodes of Doña Barbara. That does look like her. She, she's lost weight. Because in this, in this... No, it's just, in this movie, she looks... (laughs) It's not in a bad way. It's almost like she looks like a little too thin in these pictures. Like she just looks like a, you know, she looks like a healthy weight. Weight is what I'm trying to say. She looks like she's a fat girl. It looks like it's like a documentary from high school in the eighties. And it's just like, yeah, this is just like what some girl at spring Valley, you know, high school in, you know, Chandlersville, Ohio looks like. Yeah. It's so good. I I love her. I love her and I'm, you know, I would tell her that I'm gay. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, tell she'd be fine with it. Yeah. I tell Florence Sparrow that I'm gay and I think this girl as well. Uh, I think Florence Sparrow I think is a good person to come out to first because I think that she has like a gay cousin, you know, mm. uh, who lives in who lives downtown, lives in Chicago and she's like, "Listen, I'm going to give you my cousin's number." He's, right. He he knows this place he, called Men's Country. Oh yeah, Men's Country. <laughs> Men's Country. You know, if you you should get a ride from Mr. Bueller. He's usually headed that way every day early in the morning before he thinks anyone can see. But I'm out there walking, and I see that little red Audi. I'm out there walking. No. And he's he's on his way to Men's Country. Oh God. Um. Anyway, 
I think we learn the absurdist nature of this movie very early on because when when Ferris is having the mocktail in his swimsuit, what is it, like 7.55 in the morning at the latest? Like, school is already in session. Like, Cameron's not even over yet. Like, a lot happens in this movie. Like, it can't all happen in one day. So you have to kind of just suspend your disbelief and understand that, like, none of this is based in reality. Oh, my um, God. It, it, this is, like, such a full day when it's just, like, you got everything you've done and you're telling me what it's three thirty in the afternoon. Like you're going to stop and get in the pool and drink Pepsi's and eat Oreos. What are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we even, it, it's even furthered when, uh, Edward Rooney's on the phone with Katie Bueller at, you know, the, the realtor's office. Um, and it starts with it. We should, we see grace and she's pulling out the pencils in her hair. We're kind of like, okay, none of this is real. The Dean of Students has this like evilness, this like nine times, this whole seriousness of him being absent nine times, right? The mom's not buying it. Um, he's screaming grace, which is also iconic. That's how a he great like, grace. text message sound. Grace! Uh-huh. I also want to edit. I want yeah. to edit together every time they say nine times, and I want to edit in Teresa going nineteen times, <laughs> nine times, nineteen times. Grace, <laughs> yeah, Grace! that's the edit. Ugh, it's the connection, Grace. It's the storm, Grace. Yeah, uh, and then edit that in exactly. <laughs> um, Grace. Uh, anyway, uh, we get a little bit more of Jeannie, right? Um. Uh, at the school, we get the You've Seen Alien uh, line, which I think one of our Marys pointed out um, is just like hilarious, right? You've Seen Alien. I mean, what is uh, that? I'm not. What is, give, oh, what? so Ferris is on the phone with the summer school guys and he's like, put somebody else on. After he tells them like how he's feeling, he's like, oh, have you seen Alien? Like, it's like blah, 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 blah. Oh, and have you he's seen about Alien? To hand the phone, yeah, yes. he hands the phone to that fabulous little extra actress yeah um, and he's like you see an alien she's like yeah and then she gets on the phone um and then they have a lovely little conversation she's like do you think you'll be yeah. alive by this weekend oh yeah probably and he's like oh she's like well maybe i'll see you around yeah <laughs> uh i love it i love that like it's also not girls clamoring for him like he's not yes. a heartthrob Yes, I agree. I think that I really like is that it's not like he is. It's not like this girl was like, oh, my God, it's Ferris, you know, like swoon. Um, even even later on in the parade, you know, when he's when he's doing twist and shout, I think those girls are doing their own thing. They're not swooning all over like, yeah, little Ferris. Yeah. Yeah. No, those girls carried their own, by the way. Oh, yeah. They were fucking. Oh, my God. Them. They were the brought best. Instead of the worst. I definitely German. got that joke, and uh, yeah. I was looking for the horn sounds. Yeah, I so. know, you know. I'll edit it in later if you need. There it is. It's not it's funny. <laughs> not funny. It's not funny. Uh, well, we talked about my favorite scene of uh, Mr. Peterson, um, Alan Ruck uh, calling in, and Ed uh, Ferris Bueller's on line two. Uh, so fucking good. Um I feel like the other thing that's cool about Cameron's story is that we learn about Cameron and his dad through the Ferrari. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, the Ferrari is almost like what's the time capsule from Ferris Bueller's mm. day off. And I feel like the Ferrari represents so much and obviously is like, it's like a great, like if you were to do a minimalist poster of Ferris Bueller's day off, you could just like show the Ferrari uh, and that would and be And the plenty. Red Wings jersey. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. And maybe like what would be one more thing? Maybe may, maybe Katie Bueller's jacket, you know. I was going to say the leopard vest. Oh, you sure. See a leopard I... vest and the the Howie um uh Red Wings jersey, jersey yeah. and the Ferrari or just like a white uh leather jacket with fringe, right? Like the three of them. Ah, what a costume. Oh. The, absolutely if you were to just do like little like faceless little figures with costumes on these costumes are impeccable but again put one more figure in there for yeah, katie, katie bueller, bueller. katie yeah. bueller it's katie it's bueller. it's very brilliant and you know uh, best supporting suit for principal uh, rooney or dean of students rooney for sure oh yeah to say nothing of that plymouth that he drives i'll always oh. think about like like that is a thing that is a thing i have so many feelings on for so many reasons, but like I have so many feelings on different types of cars. So like Ed Rooney's like gross little Plymouth and uh, you know, Tom's Audi and Katie's uh, wood panel station wagon. Jeannie's mm. Fiero, her little white. Oh, Fiero. the Fiero that's in the driveway. Oh my yep. God. Uh. That Michelle Visage car. She got a red Fiero instead, <laughs> instead of a Mustang or a Corvette. You know, the little details that uh, stuck out to me in this movie are uh, one of them is the doorknob to Ferris's room. That little, like, crystally looking doorknob. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's when we see, oh God, the mom walking up the stairs and the suspenseful music. I love that part. Oh, I love that part. I, I love it. And it, and, I feel like you need the right doorknob and it needs to fit her aesthetic. It's not Ferris's. It's her house. It's not even yeah. Tom's house. I feel like she's no. much more successful than Tom. I think honest. so. I mean, he, you know, she works in Winnetka, which is no shame, but it's, it's an easier commute. Yeah. It's Winnetka. There's no, no problem with that. Winnetka, when there's bigger dining. houses, there's more money, more people are moving into yeah. the suburbs rather than into the city. Right. So yeah, yeah she's she, not, it, She's not slumming it, you know, trying to sell, you know, a condo in Pilsen, you know? Yeah, or, or some one bedroom in one of those honeycomb buildings. It's like, no, it's not 1972 yeah. anymore. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. She's not trying to gentrify Wicker Park in the 80s. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I think she she sticks to the rivers and the lakes, the Winnetkas and the Highland Parks that she's used to. Yeah, she's not turning the Chicago River green. I, no, I actually think they purposefully like stay home on St. Patrick's Day. They stay in the neighborhood because it's like, no, no, I don't need this. You know, last time, uh, you know, you know Paris the, the back window of the Audi got broken. You know, he jumped into the river, and I, you know, Ferris. I love Ferris, and I know that Jeannie pushed him to do it, but uh, I just don't want to do that whole green thing again. That whole thing, you know, it stained the rugs, the the one back by the laundry room. I had to throw one of them out. I, I washed it four times. I had to throw it out. Jeannie. I don't know what they put in that river. And of course, it was Ferris's fault. But she goes, Jeannie. Jeannie, you know, I love that rug. God, you know, your brother gets like this. It's your fault. And you encourage it. <laughs> Side note. Can we agree, please? That Jeannie and Ferris, oh shit, I'm going to say something controversial, are twins. Well, I, I think that that question did come up of like, you know, I got a car, he got a computer. It makes me feel like, okay, well then you're, she might be a, well, you know. He's a she, senior. He's yeah. a senior. How she can she be younger. older? She's definitely not older. Right. But she's she definitely be. not older. 
she could be younger. She could be a junior. I had a car in junior year. Okay, she could be younger, but she always says, I got a car, he got a computer. It makes it feel like it came, her, she came first. But the fact that like they're comparing their presence as well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Usually, it's their birthdays happened at the same time. I agree. I don't know. I mean, I agree, unless unless they're really timing these babies and, you know, Tim Bueller just has like a very specific month that he likes to, you know, pro- and maybe, no, maybe, maybe Katie Bueller has very specific, specific month. You know, business is slow well, yeah, no, in February. Yeah. Right. And so it's right. like, why don't we do this now? Listen, yeah. Fuck me in, in August. Fuck yeah. me in August because then I'll be able to take time off in February, uh, you know, for yeah. the babies. And so they just kind of like have they had them around the same time. Yeah. I, I'm going to hold firm that I think that they're twins. Yes, she could be younger. She absolutely could be younger. And I think it works better if they're twins. I like that idea. I, um, I, I, I while we're talking about Jennifer Grey, you know, I, I love when the movie has those creepy moments, like when Katie Bueller comes to check in on Ferris. But uh-huh. I, I think my favorite scene, whenever I would catch this movie on like, WPX oh, 11 on Saturdays is when, talk about. is when Jeannie comes home and Ed Rooney's in the house and like that whole moment. And then when they're both, you know, it's like Marco and I used to play this game where we would like be caddy quarter from each other around a corner and we'd wait to, you know, jump out at each other. And she thinks it's Ferris and he thinks it's Ferris. And then they both jump out. And the way that she first kicks, him, screams, kicks him and oh, then does the that kicking. scream and run yeah. away moment. <laughs> The kicking is fabulous. one of Jennifer Gray's <laughs> finest moments. <laughs> oh. I, I, I love when I love when people I love comedic levels of screaming and running away. Mm. Like I love the Diane Keaton levels that she went to. Yeah, the, ah! no, no, she's so good at she's so good at the screaming, the kicking. I I loved her on the phone when she's like speaking in English, and she goes, and she yeah. slams it. She's holding it tight. She goes, Dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that no, Jeannie is great. I actually thought, Mary, that you were going to talk about the slow zoom in, the John Hughes zoom in uh, in the hallway when she's the poltergeist hallway. Absolutely, I mean, I love that too. That the zoom in with like maybe Ferris isn't so bad. Oh, maybe he's a good guy. I got a car, he got a computer. Why should he get to do whatever he wants whenever he wants? And I love when that happened because that happened right after like Ferris and Sloan and Cam were, you know, they, they, they won again at the French restaurant. Oh, and he chews the ice. And he chews the ice. Yeah. Oh, and then it cuts, and it's like, oh yeah, this is also about Jeannie. Cause then it cuts yeah. to the hallway scene. Yeah. No, she's so mad. Cause he, she also knows that he's faking because he winks at her in the morning. Like mm-hmm. that's she why they're twins the too. Yeah, yeah, no, she knows. Um, I, I, we're talking about the Sausage King of Chicago scene. We have to talk about the not Neil Paris, n- not Neil Patrick Harris as the host gay character, the oh. one gay character in this movie. Yes, the only queer about this movie is the maitre d' at the at the French restaurant. I mean, yeah. he. I mean, I think there's a reason why Tom Bueller is going to this restaurant. Mm. I think he met, you know, uh, Stanley over here, or whatever his name is. I think, you know, that's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of men's country connection. And he's like, oh, come to my restaurant. I'll make sure you man's always have a seat. Yeah. Man, just one, man's country. <laughs> well, it used to be men's country. And then it, you know, it, it, it that was the 80s, you know, and that's. 
then Steamworks opened and it just reduced down to man's country, you know? I, you know, we have to recognize the gays in the movies when we can. And I rec- I see him. I he The bribe that Ferris tried to swindle him with, he's like... I, oh, I just love the scoff he gives Ferris. And he's also not buying. He's like, take take this little field trip out of here, little boy. Like, go yeah. fuck yourself. Don't try it, little girl. I'm the wrong one for you. <laughs> you know, speaking of gay Not things, gonna trick me. <laughs> not gonna trick me. Not gonna dine here. Not gonna dine here. Uh, uh, you know, I noticed that when Ferris was in the bathroom, and I mean, this really speaks to the gay in this movie, is did you see those urinals behind them? Speaking of Sloan, did you see those? It was those low, like, no privacy wall, it's, and it's the it's the urinals that are like little they look like little uh, cups little athletic supporters. There's no privacy Wait, whatsoever, and they're you two said inches. Speaking of, of Sloan, well, that's the brand of like urinals. Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay, yes, yes, with the uh, with the bathroom attendant that was there. Yes, and the, and the I, father comes out. Okay, yeah, those urinals. Though they're like it's like please look at my penis and my scrotum. That's what those urinals are about, <laughs> and my scrotum. I want you to see everything. Please sure, just like seen... look at my asshole while I am peeing at this restaurant. That's what those urinals are about. I've seen uh, many a bareback only video uh, uh-huh. filmed at those you urinals. Could, you could put your foot yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a scene in Bad Teacher where uh, doesn't 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 um, uh, Mrs. Squirrel sit in the urinal while she's talking to the principal? Oh, uh, I remember. Do you, do you remember? <laughs> okay, never uh, mind. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's so a, funny. She sits in it. Oh, God, that movie is so good. <laughs> it's like we should just redo that movie for this month. Oh, Back yeah. to School? Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. We could. I could talk about that movie for hours, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, the genie in the hallway, I love. And yes, we talked about Sasha King of Chicago. Um, and the urinals. Yeah. He, it, when he's at the urinals, he talks about, we learn more about Cameron and certainly Ferris's perspective of Cameron. This is when we learn, you know, um, Cameron's the only guy I know who feels better when he's sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, can you imagine what it would be like to be a baby in that house? Because that place is like a museum. And he's like, you know, the reason I'm doing this with Cameron is it like it teaches him to deal with his fear. And you're kind of, like, all of a sudden we're like, whoa, Ferris Bueller. Mm. Like mm-hmm. wise beyond his years for whatever reason. And and is again, like we're learning maybe this was all a big plot. Yes, to serve his joie de vivre, but also like, come on, Cameron, get out of it. Well, it's like in some ways Ferris Bueller is like a Peter Pan character, you know, like he's mm, he's mischievous, yes. but he's kind of that's why Mischie- we love him. He's like a Robin Hood. He's mischievous for the greater good. Sure. Um, you know, he's mischievous for the good of the poor, you know? And so even if that means taking advantage of the mater d' or other things, it's like, yeah, but this is for the greater good of, of you know, the underserved. They deserve it. The mater d' mm-hmm. deserves it. And because, mm-hmm. you know, the Sausage King of Chicago isn't going to show up. And what's it to him? He's going to dine and then they're going to leave and then there's going to be another table. Like, go fuck yourself, right? It's just a rule. It's a stupid rule. Um, yeah, no, I like that. I like thinking about Ferris Bueller as like a Robin Hood meets Peter Pan. Uh, it totally makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And 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 what I love about their relationship is there's so many moments with Ferris and Cameron. I think Cameron, sorry, I think Ferris even calls it out. Like, there's times when Cameron's really happy. You see him having a great time and not stressing out. And like you know, I uh, I think Ferris says like, yeah, I caught him having a good time at the back of the car a couple of yeah. times. He said yeah, yeah, I caught him slump. digging it. Yeah. Yeah, digging it. Um, and then 
another iconic scene uh, when they're at the Chicago Cubs game. Oh, I mean, and at first I was like, I think you hate it, right? Well, at first it was like a baseball game in the middle of a weekday, and then I saw in the trivia this was a real game that was played on June fifth, nineteen eighty five, which according to Chat GPT was a Wednesday. So I guess in the middle of the workday, Wrigley right. Field is like, "Hey, Chicago, what do you what say?" What do you say? Yeah, uh, but this is you know, hey, about 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 swing, better, Kennedy, 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 swing, better. Like there's there's something uh, regressive in the scene with Cameron that I love. Like he's this. You know he's he's a sports guy. Like he likes hockey. He likes the Cubs. I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think it's we cool. see him. We see him let. Well, it's like it. You know, it's like we see him let go at the baseball game, and I think it's an interesting stark contrast to then when they go to the museum. Mm. Yeah. Which oh, I absolutely. Think, which I think is one of also one of the best sequences in the movie because I think the movie really like chills out, mm. gets a little more like serious. I kind of felt like the way the scene was edited. I wanted to keep cutting in. Julia Roberts going slide and then they cut <laughs> to the next piece of art. Um, but I thought this was slide. a really <laughs> slide. <laughs> what does it mean? And then, and then, you, and then you do, and then you do slide from uh, a league of their own slide. So, slide. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, then, yeah, no, the, the yeah. art Institute Chicago scene is great. You have the, you know, when they're holding hands with the field trip, uh, they're mm-hmm. looking at all the art. The, the the movie does not need to go deep like that. It really did not need to go to that kind of pensive state. Um, it's really all about Cameron. The Sears Tower scene is also about Cameron. He's like, I think mm-hmm. I see my dad. Like, there's a lot there that um, they didn't need to put into this wacky skip in school comedy. Well, and it really made it about Cameron when he was looking at that one painting and it was just like, uh, and he just kept zooming in on that one child in the painting. And it was like, oh, there's, there's some moment happening here. And it, and it just, it, it's just one more plot point in, in Cameron. I don't know what Cameron's Mm. last name is. Cameron's day off. Cameron Fry's day off. And, you know, uh, really his day off from. I don't know from what his normal life is like in so many ways, this is Cameron playing hooky from his depression and his anxiety yes. and his mental health mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. Oh God. And you just root for him. You want him to come out of that cloud. And every now and then he's having the best time and you're crazy at, you know, the parade. Uh, he's, yeah. Oh God. I you're just, wild. I love, <laughs> you're wild. What? <laughs> you're wild. <laughs> um, uh. <laughs> Uh, Toblerone or whatever the the, the words are. What Donkashane? No, 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 no. Donkashane, <laughs> by the way, is like sung throughout this movie by the 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 characters, and then we finally hear it. Oh, at the parade. in the shower, and yeah, yes. Donkashane, and the dad sings it. At, mm. in, I think in the um, or maybe even uh, uh, the uh, Rooney sings it outside the door. Like there's, it, it keeps coming back, which I just love. Yeah, and it's a. I think that's a bop. Donka Shane's a great song. I, I Oh, think... it's a great vocal too. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's one of those songs. Um we uh, one thing I did want to talk about another iconic thing that sticks out to me from my childhood is when um Rooney, you know, goes out like a private dick from a film noir um and he goes to the arcade and he gets soda spit in his face from that like the butch aesthetic version of Ferris Bueller. Oh, and I love that there was like a sync up of like the video game makes this like, 
sound like timing up with like it's need to have to happen yeah but it syncs up with like ed you know losing i thought that was great love him uh yeah losing and then uh we also find out that the buellers have a rot which i love yeah it was like oh they really there was no act one dog we don't learn about (laughs) it until ed and and (laughs) the whole sequence of like ed getting stuck in the mud and trying to get his shoe out and fucked Mm. with the hose i mean Mm. Listen, I comedy everything everything aside about Jeffrey Jones. We're not here to talk about Jeffrey Jones and his personal life as an actor in this movie. He is it is so much physical comedy. He is so funny. It, it's Wait, really is Jeffrey Jones problematic. Yeah. There Don't was like ruin a, it for me. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 Oh, did he like. Did he fuck a kid? I think he just had not just oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, he, I think it was it was porn. I think it was child porn. I think I'll I'll see if IMDb <sighs> will tell me. Jeffrey. Uh, yeah. Well, fuck you, Edward Rooney. You know, go fuck yeah. yourself. You so. uh, God, man. Oh, here well, we anyway, go. It is it is a here fabulous we... performance. Oh, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so in November of two thousand two. You know, so coming off of 9-11 and all that, he was arrested and charged with violating California Penal Code's uh, use of a minor, oh, Jesus Christ, uh, to perform prohibited acts. He subsequently pled <gasps> no contest to a charge of inducing a 14-year-old, oh, trigger warning, 14-year-old boy to pose for sexually explicit photos and was sentenced to five years probation in order to register as a sex offender and undergo counseling. Uh, and then, yeah, there you go. So yes, well, thank you for the trigger warning Whoops. in advance. Yeah, I'm gonna deal with this later. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, Jeffrey Jones gives a great fucking performance as Edward fucking Rooney. Yeah. Uh, slapstick at its best. It's directed well. It's scored well. Uh, it's shot well. That just like the whole business with the hose, I think, is so funny. Oh, everything with the hose, I think. Yeah, I think that is so funny. And I love that then, like, just the nuance of then turning it into cleaning the shoe off. Like, I just, yes, I think that's like yes. putting a hat on a hat. It was like, <laughs> now the hose, the hose won't, you know, turn off. Okay, now use it to clean the shoe. Like, it was, uh, he really, I mean, Jeffrey Jones just goes through it in this movie. And I just need to acknowledge. Um, it's like Wiley Coyote, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliantly done. Um, let's talk about the parade scene because this is, I think, the other thing that people talk about with this movie because it's it was like a feat, right, to do. Um, and they have that, the amazing dancers on the stairs that I love. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, uh, it's from, I read the trivia, it's from Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I recognized as they were going up the stairs. I was like, oh, that's, that's some Thriller. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I got to say... I I do not think anyone can resist the pure euphoria of Twist and Shout. I don't think yes. it's possible. I, I, no one at a wedding. Uh, 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 it is impossible. <laughs> it's so, and I didn't realize, I didn't know it was the Beatles. Yeah, shake it up, baby now. Twist and Shout. I mm-hmm. have never put that together that that was the Beatles. So I was like, wow. I mean, I know this song, but I was like, wait, who does this song? I was like, the Beatles. Is it a yeah, cover? The Beatles. The I Beatles. just, yeah, I, I have to say, I, I know the songs that we all know of the Beatles, but I don't really know the Beatles. It wasn't written by them. Well, then maybe that's why I don't really know it, you know? <laughs> if it's not Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Cold Cuts, then I don't know what I'm eating. Uh, maybe people can uh, check me on this. Let's see. Uh, twist. 
Twist and Shout. Because I think yeah. of Twist and Shout, yeah. I think of like doing the mashed potato. I'm like, this is, is of course, is, is this like Chubby Checker? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was written by Phil Medley and Burt Burns, uh, later credited as Burt Russell. Oh, uh, yeah, they wrote it, and then a bunch of people covered it. Right, Salt and Pepper covered it. Oh. Um, yeah, it was it was a cover. It was not their song, which is probably why you were like, "This is the Beatles," but uh, it it's just, great vocal. Yeah, it's it's just such a fun song. I just think like songs like that. I feel like I turn into a boomer, and I'm like, they don't make music like they used to. You mm. know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great scene because it has Donka Shane, right? We love, and mm-hmm. he's. It's also a, a lip sync song, a scene, so it's gay coded already. Yeah, gay coded. Um, I love that it, that Matthew Broderick as the actor makes the choice and I'm giving him the credit here that he doesn't go over the top with it as Ferris because I feel like it would come off as too theatrical mm, and, and too like character. studied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's when he goes, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, baby. He's not really doing it in his face. It's just, he's no. getting the words right. You know, he's not, he never does any like air guitar. He yeah. Doesn't do, like the white man's overbite. Like he's a part of the party. He's not Tasteful. being the like, you know, king of the party. You know, it's not like yeah. I don't know. It, it it this isn't. It's not. It's not Justin Timberlake in an SNL sketch. It's like he was asked to get on the float. It's like yeah. he just happened to be there at the right time. Was like, oh yeah, sure, okay, I'll play lead here, right? It wasn't. It wasn't something he orchestrated. Like I, yeah, no, you're right, Mary. He's not. It's not obnoxious. It's not. The, the boys at the wedding go out and, you know, mm-hmm. lip sync to Eminem or uh, moves Baby like Got Jagger. Yeah. Moves like Jagger. Yeah. No, it's kind of there's this welcome thing that happens. And of course, we get the Cameron and Sloan talk. Um, and then it changes to Shake It Up Baby now, Twist and Shout. Um, the dad dances in his little office, oh, which my I just God. love. He's shaking the cum around, you know? The. I just, I, it's edited well. It's perfectly scored. It's perfectly directed. There, it, It's such a spectacle. I just think that this scene is one that if we did an episode in two years where we just broke down one scene, I think we could just do this shot by shot because it's so well done. Um, the... It, it, it's almost another thesis for the movie of Ferris's power to inspire joy and uh, abandon. And it's just, there's just this feeling of like, I, I just think, oh, Chicago. Like I just get yeah. like a big Chicago boner for scenes like this. It's, I mean, again, yeah, it's all fantasy. On the scaffolding. It is yeah. all fantasy. Yeah. It's all fantasy. Yeah. And it's, and it's uh. all my Chicago fantasy as well. But like, I just watched this and I'm like, it's kind of the same way that I get a certain sense of pride watching. Uh, is it maybe the maybe it's the first Ghostbusters or maybe it's the second Ghostbusters when all the people are singing outside and they get all the plas all the yes it's the second Ghostbusters second one mm-hmm. yes that makes me feel good about New York you know what I mean when all the people yeah. sing uh, to make the the ooze go away uh huh <laughs> of course yeah be proud uh, the, yeah. Uh, best supporting shot right we or best supporting you know camera angle is when the dancers are introduced and the stair it's like the stairs and we only it looks like they're floating in yes. on like on like a table or something a moving like gurney and and the camera is panning up slowly as they're zooming in but it's just their smooth moves coming in 
Ah, uh, it's so good. It's it's like um, intoxicating. This scene. It's great, and it and it could go on longer if it wanted to. Like it goes on for a long enough time where you really get like you get the spirit of it. But it was like I'm. Yes. This is like you know this is kind of I feel like there's those moments in a musical like like Brotherhood of Man and How to Succeed where you're like this could go on all day, you know, mm. like you just get swept up. And I feel like that was what this was like for me. Um, later on, Jeannie, you know, we talked about Jeannie coming home and kicking the shit out of Rooney, um, and then. We actually come across the character that I would play, and I clipped it for us because, of course, I did. Yes. Um, I would play, obviously, Simone, and then I would play her. Thanks. I heard that you were feeling ill, headache, fever, and a chill. I came to help restore your pluck, because <laughs> I'm the nurse who likes to... Uh, I mean, it's it's so like you know, uh, in, in a double bill Clue. with the singing telegram from Clue. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I would play her too. Yeah. Um, I I love it. I love that Louis Anderson on the right side of the screen is uh, bobbing his head back and forth. Oh yeah, Louis Anderson's in this. Yeah. Um, oh I, my god. <laughs> I think I would. I would obviously. I would fight to play Grace. Um, yeah, of course you would. Yeah. And I would be Katie Bueller. I think in a hot second. Katie Bueller. I would also love to play Jeannie. But you know, Mary, you'd also play the bus driver at the end. Oh, Dee Dee uh, Resher, who is. Um, do you know who that woman is? No. She. Hmm. Tell me. Oh, I'll tell you. Uh, what's your name? Dee Dee Resher or Dresher? Anyway, uh, she plays. She's in the comeback. She plays the couple that they go have dinner with in Palm Springs who had cancer. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, that's her. She's. I love her. Oh my brilliant performance in in Ferris, and she has like two lines. Yeah, and in that in that show. Oh. My God! You keep looking at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I you love know, you Didi keep Rusher. looking at the camera. No, I love when she she says, "Hey, Mr. Rooney, what's going on? Did you get in a fight?" Uh, well, I mean, Do you need a lift. <laughs> I I would obviously love to play her, but I'm happy to hand her over because I would also have to be the girl on the bus with the gummy. Oh, bears. you want to be the girl? Uh, okay. She has been. She is. She okay. is like so important to me. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, well, because you know, the gummy bears get soft in your pocket. Yeah, you they're know? all soft and warm for my pocket. <laughs> Bet you've never smelled it. a real school bus before. A school like, bus before, and they stink. They smell like old peanut butter and jelly oh, no, sandwiches. Yeah, they do smell really bad. They smell no, like no. milk. And you have the fumes from the school bus as well, yeah, especially back then in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Diesel fumes There were no seatbelts. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, moving on. You know, Cameron goes catatonic, right, because the 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 the... The, the car, oh, that, yeah, yeah. And they find I, out that the joyriders happened. Oh, can I just um, say about them? Because th that's one of the things I also wanted to mention was that the one garage attendant who they like first pass the car off to. Yeah, just from his features, he he has like an obscenely large dick, like like donkey uh -huh. Kong, like like beyond macho fucker, like uncomfortably big. Like oh god, it just mm. that looks like you're trying to put toothpaste back in the tube, you know. But I uh -huh. just have to say, like Richard Edson, is he dead? I just know. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually a porn star 
who they were like, oh, do you want to be in this role? Do you do you want to be the garage attendant? And he's like, yeah, let me just tape my big dick down. Okay, well, he's got that big dick energy to take that Ferrari on a you know yeah. Whole and area. he's kind of like sexy ugly. Like I kind of feel like a guy like that. I'm like, yeah, I put me in the hospital. I don't care. <laughs> do whatever you need to do, Mary. Um, I always thought <laughs> that's what I would tell him. Red- <laughs> when I think about back to this movie, if you told me who played that character, I would have said Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, it's Goldthwait. a very Bobcat Goldthwait kind of role. Absolutely. But indeed, it's this other guy who I've never seen in anything else other than yeah. a bunch of uh, pornos in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah. Colin's Big Way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Colin Drucker's, you know. The opening. Uh, wrecked by Colin Drucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Journey to the center of the colon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, Donka Shane for that. D- uh huh. Yes. Uh, donka shame, if you will. Donka shame. Um, I feel a lot of donka shame. Donkey shame. Yeah. Donkey shame. Donkey shame. That's where I'm embarrassed for having sex with this like ugly guy with a huge dick. Yeah. I have oh donkey God. shame. Uh, with a Sloan toilet in the background. Oh, absolutely. He definitely like put his. I had to put my foot up on the Sloan urinal so he could get a, the, the right angle. You know. Uh, uh, okay, yes. Um, Ferris Bueller, my hero. We get the, you know, they're eating Oreos and Pepsi. I thought of you. I was like, oh, Colin's hungry. Um, oh, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, like, yeah. Oreos and Pepsi, weird mix. I would have said Pepsi and Ruffles or Oreos. Yeah, Pepsi and Ruffles. Pepsi yeah, and Ruffles. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. And especially in the pool. I, I don't know why they're having cookies. Wet the fingers. Pool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wet fingers. I, I, I think they're in the hot tub or maybe it is the pool. They're um, in the hot but, tub. They're yeah. in the hot tub, okay, and then he falls in the pool. Yes, um, yeah, I love uh, when they fight, and you see Ferris Bueller's oversized bathing suit. It's like so big on him. Yes, he. Yes, oh, that's right. That that drapey long thing. That's right because Cameron's just in some like white, you know, undie pants. Um, you know, I do want to mention about this. I feel like, and this is going to sound very like suicidal, and I don't mean it like that, but like when Cameron falls into the pool and then he kind of has that that moment in the pool, I feel mm. like we've all had that moment of like, oh, the peace at the bottom of the pool. You know, like peace nothing's more pool, peaceful yeah. than, the, than yeah. the bottom of the pool. You know, that moment is a callback, I feel like, to the Surratt painting. Mm, yeah. There's like uh, a contemplation. There's like a a, a a a a moment of peace for Cameron. Yeah, um, that he sees from afar in that painting versus then what he experiences in the pool. And I feel like isn't there a similar moment in The Graduate where Dustin Hoffman like sinks to the bottom of the pool? I feel like that's like a it's like a thing people do when they're going through an existential crisis mm. as you get to the bottom of the pool. Well, there's that whole, it's like kind of Freudian, isn't it? Right. Where you, um, you, uh, you are submerged. And then when you emerge from the water, you are enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, baptism, right. You know? Yeah. That's what it is. Right. It's the religious kind of stuff. So like he, you know, he goes catatonic. And then of course, after that scene, he is, he's seeing clearly, uh, mm-hmm. And he decides to turn over New Leaf. He's a whole new Cameron Fry. And uh, Mary, this is the other most important part, uh, most important scene of the movie for Cameron is when he beats up the car. He's beating up his father. And his, the performance of this, I just think is so brilliant. Because, you know, who do you love? Who do you love? You love a car. I, I mean, it is 
oh god, it's burned in my memory. It's burned there. It's. I mean, that's. It's really. You know, I know that the the chase home is kind of the climax of the movie, but really, like the emotional climax of the movie is this moment where Cameron yeah. has this awakening and is just like, you know, I'm I'm tired of being afraid. Like I'm just yeah. tired of living this way, and I'm just. I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. No, yeah. It's a home well, alone moment. It's a sure. home alone moment. He, he, you know, it's kind of like he gets his little ruby red slippers. He gets his little, you know, his little Ferris Bueller, you know, red slippers. And he's like, yeah, I'm not afraid anymore. And then, you know, kicks the car. Uh, I, that, God, what, like what amazing imagery, right? Like, yeah, he beat up the car, right? He might as well have trashed it. He might as well have driven it through the garage. At that point, it was like the, the damage was matter. done. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the damage was already done with the odometer. Kicking it and, and, and denting it was, it's like, well, at this point, you know, for the shit that he would get just for existing as from his father, mm. like at this point, you've, you've gone, you might, yeah, you might as well just, you know, kill the car as, as Ferris says, you kill, which is an interesting line of like, you killed the car. Yeah. You know, you killed the car. You did something. You know, like some. Th- this is what it really is to like end a chapter. You know, sure. You killed the car. Uh, yeah, the. I don't know if I buy totally Cameron's one eighty here. Like he's like, well, you know, when he when Morris comes home, we're gonna have a little chat. There's, I don't know where exactly all of that is coming from. Maybe it is coming from the trauma that he's gonna have to deal with his father finally. But and there's a there's a, a catharsis to that. <laughs> Um, but it it does seem a little quick, and I guess I, I chalk it up to like the brazenness of that age, where we think you know, sure. any, we make a decision and saying that's it, everything changes from here, and it's like, and you look back, and it's like, n- no one was ever so young, you know. I mean, because it's mm-hmm. like, well, what are you gonna do? Like, what are you gonna do tomorrow, Cameron? You know, you're gonna go to school. You're gonna like, you're gonna be grounded. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's uh, yeah. I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but I also think that. If I were to try to justify it, it's like we've all had those moments where it's like, that's it. My diet starts tomorrow, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. There's oh, there's a, a, a line and some people get to it and then, yep, they never look back. Yeah. Um, speaking of people that, uh, that kind of have an arc here, right? You have Jeannie um, at the police station. Uh, put on a tote bag, the shot of her giggling on the stairs and the text over it is, my name's Jean, but a lot of guys call me Shauna. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. Nice to meet you, Jean. <laughs> she laughed. Oh, but a lot know, of guys call me Shauna. Shauna. <laughs> she made that up. She made that up. It's like we've never heard anyone in the history of ever call you Shauna. In her head, she's like, I want to be Shauna. I want to be Shauna. I love her. <laughs> yeah. Shauna Bueller's day off. Yeah. Yeah. Shauna Bueller. That's right. Shauna right. Bueller. Well, I feel like Charlie Sheen in this is kind of like Viola Davis in doubt. You know what I mean? Mm. It was one scene, kind yep. of a pivotal point point of view yep. shift that I appreciate. Of like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Of like you. This is a you problem. Like nothing's stopping you. Yeah. This is a you yeah. problem. Oh, I, what about your fucking brother? Yeah. yeah I, I love that. Um. I love the imagery of his thumb up his ass. I remember that, oh. like my little gay boy me, that pinged for me. Yeah, I was like, oh, the thumb up his ass. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to do that. I, I would like to make that happen. Yeah, sure. There was, it, it was just like, like little gay me heard that and was like, Oop. and it was just, yeah, 
Nothing yeah. sexual necessarily. I didn't know necessarily it's what just it a even thing. meant. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just a like thing. This, like, yeah, ping. yeah, um, yeah. I don't. For some reason, that just reminds me of like when I was a kid and like the first time I ever heard the expression "butt fucking," and I was like, "Oh yeah, butt fuck." I don't even mm-hmm. know what that means, but it just it was butt fucking has the same like um, obviously like, the same kind of rhythm as like motherfucker. Like it's it's a it's a it's a complex word. But yeah. fucking motherfucker, but fuck. yeah. fucking, yeah, uh, yeah, but fucking. I used to call it but fucking for the first three years that I knew about anal sex because I didn't know what anal. I didn't know that word. Mm. Uh, it was, it was. Oh yeah, but I want to get butt fucked. Butt fucking. I want to butt fuck. Yeah. 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 Oh, two guys butt fucking, and butt it fucking. didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but butt fucking. <laughs> I mean, I just love. That's it. the name of my memoir. <laughs> butt fucking. Butt fucking. Anyway, um, yeah, you want to make me laugh? Just say butt fucking. Butt fucking. Um, yeah. Yeah, we get the we get the chase scene again. I just love that it's it's not with Edward Rooney. It's with Jeannie. It's with Jeannie. It's with it's 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 all the Buellers. It's Jeannie uh-huh. and, and Katie in one car. It's uh you know hot dad with a big load in his ass. Tom in mm-hmm. his Audi. And then it's Ferris running through the neighborhood. I love it. I and the music, of course. I mean, the oh. music in this is all just, oh. you know, the, the timing of him jumping from the trampoline, the slow motion over the fence. Yeah, wow, it's so satisfying. Like it's so, it's just like that sort of, ugh, like everything clicks together. the The timing of it is also good. So well done. So well constructed. And then, of course. I love that Jeannie saves the day. So she's the hero. Why why do you think Jeannie saved the day? Was it really just because it was Ed Rooney? Like what would I was I, I, not that I, I question it, but I'm just I'm curious, what do you think her is it because oh is it because of Charlie Sheen? Is it like the awakening of Well, no, Certainly. because she did want to catch like she did still want to catch Ferris. Yeah, no, she, exactly. It wasn't Charlie Sheen necessarily when she saw him she was like oh I'm gonna get there before him Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get there before him I feel like it's there's a sibling rivalry right like he did beat her he did beat her home and I think at that point when she sees him outside she's like ah how could he have planned this I'm gonna I'm gonna bail him out because I think she recognizes she's like I don't care about Ferris yeah, I think she re- she's like, no, I got this. I got, this. I'll, no, it's fine. And there is that thing, especially like of, of like the sibling, like it's one thing to have the sibling rivalry of like you get to skip school and I don't. But then there's this whole other Ed Rooney thing. And so I kind of feel like, yeah, but like rock beats scissors. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. I'm still going to defend you over letting Ed Rooney win, you know? And so oh, I feel yeah. like there's also that. And I love when she winks at him. I love the bookend of him winking at her in the beginning and mm-hmm. her winking at him at the end. It's scoot. Yeah. Oh, yep. scoot. I love scoot. That. She's so funny. Oh she my God. She's so funny. She's so funny. I love Jenny Gray. Listen, yeah. the, the, the one thing I, I appreciate here is that, especially somebody that has sisters, right? There were certain things that we fought over and we competed with. But there was a line when it came to getting in trouble with our parents. Jeannie could have blown everything up at the mm-hmm. start of that movie. And she didn't because there's a line there for siblings of like, no, don't let the parents find out. So the fact that Jeannie beat 
uh, Ferris home was enough for her. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I think that was, yeah, it, it's in, in a way, it's like you think about, like, Cameron has this kind of evolution in the movie, and Jeannie has an evolution in the movie, and... She maybe, dropped the ball, you know? She dropped yeah. the ball so that Ferris could win, you know? And maybe, yeah, exactly, right, exactly, yeah, yeah, Um you know, and, and I you're blocking like... the whole play. What do you want me to do? <laughs> How the game is played. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, one more, Katie Bueller. One more. Uh, but no, I mean, I think if you think about it in terms of like characters who grow, Ferris doesn't change in this movie from beginning to end. He, there's no evolution in the character of Ferris Bueller. But Jeannie and Cameron, and maybe Sloane. I don't think. I don't, maybe Sloane doesn't really change that mm. much. She part of Sloane's appeal Poorly is that character. she she just is. You know, she's just Sloane. Um, but really, this is in the in the end. Ultimately, this movie is about the supporting characters. It's about Jeannie. Mm-hmm. It's about Cameron, and it's sort of about Ed Rooney. Yeah, he's just this. I mean, he is a cartoon. He is. Yeah, he's just the evil thing trying to foil Ferris Bueller. Right? He's the coyote chasing the Roadrunner. Uh, and yeah, there is a there is a, a beginning, an end to it. I do wish that we, if we would have seen Ed Rooney getting in trouble, uh, I wanted mm. to see Ed Rooney like dealing with the principal above him. You know, like right. I, I did need a little bit more of motivation, except that he wants law and order. He needs to be more of. He, I need to hear more about Javert if I'm going to buy that he's law and order from Lemis. Sure. I mean, all this over a loaf of bread, you know. Right. I. Right. I guess, but I guess nine what times. It, it's not ten. Yeah. You know, let it go. Nineteen times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like what I would appreciate about this though is like that, like Ed not getting any like specific consequences, and even like the suggestion of like Ferris may get another day off from school tomorrow. Like, there's so much about like what happens tomorrow to Cameron, what happens to Ed tomorrow, what happens mm. to Ferris tomorrow, what happens to Jeannie uh-huh. tomorrow, and so I think there is like. I appreciate like the level of open-endedness at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, there's it's not really all tied up except that Ferris didn't get caught. Yeah, right. And we'll probably get a day off tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah, school's almost over. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, it's funny. Like, I used to wonder, like, oh, what day of the week? Because it's like it would make sense to do all this on a Friday. But given that phone call he has with the girl earlier who's like, oh, do you think she, you know, do you think he'll be alive by the weekend? I feel mm. like this might have been like a Thursday. Yeah, a Wednesday for the Cubs game, right? Well, like, if, it, if they were setting it, yeah, it could have been actually literally the Wednesday. And so if it's it was like, a Friday, I don't think Katie would have believed that he was sick. I feel like part of Ferris's rules, you know, the clammy hands, don't mm-hmm. pretend that you have a fever because you might go to the doctor. One of the rules is like, don't try this on a Friday, dude. Right. Nobody's going to believe you. A Friday in, in the spring, like Cindy, not yeah. Cindy, Cindy Pickett, Katie knows, you know, it's, it's off. It's, it's not uncommon for kids to take days off around this time of year and senior year. Right. right. She's been through that with Tom when Tom's like, oh, I have a business trip for oh. one night. She's like on a Friday. On a Friday. Oh, really? Indianapolis? Yeah, really? Yeah, what business right, are you right, doing in Indianapolis? Why are you going there? She's uh, she's holding her waist. Oh, that fabulous. And she's uh, tapping her fingers on her waist. Oh, I just, oh, I think she's so fabulous. She is like gayer than the Neil Patrick Harris wannabe in, uh, in Shea Louis. Uh, oh, I just yeah. Love her. Cindy Pickett is, is the gayest thing about. Yeah, she's the Snatch Game character. She, yeah. Oh, in, in a second. <laughs> and, and, you know, a meeting with Rue in the workroom. And so who will you be playing? Let, let me guess from the jacket and the hair. You'll never guess. Katie Bueller. Katie yeah. Bueller. 
Designing women? No, Katie Bueller. No. Oh, yeah. yes, of course. Cindy Pickett. Cindy oh. Pickett. How are you going to oh, make Cindy. her funny? So how are you going to make Cindy Pickett funny? Well, well you know, I'm she's just, kind of a funny character. She's you know, really, she's chasing around her husband. You know, who's yeah, dead. you know, she she yells at, at Jeannie while she's driving. I think I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna. <laughs> she she just says funny things. You know, okay, okay. I'm not convinced. Not convinced. Would say. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Uh, I guess the other snatch game character is is Edie McClurg, right? Like, it's oh, Grace. absolutely. That's because you can just you have the basis, you have the character, you could do anything with that character. Yes. Oh yeah. No. And she yeah she is funny. I also I mean I wouldn't pick Jeannie. I don't think Jennifer Grey would be a good. You don't uh, want to be like would be a unhappy on snatch. Yeah. yeah. I could see Simone. Uh, Adam Adam Lee um, being a snatching up character where she's just like, you know, a ditz pleaser. Uh, uh, it's totally unaware. And you could expand on expand. I was gonna say expand yeah. and expound at the same time. Expand. Right. You could expand on her. Right. However, maybe she you says want. really perverted things. Right. Yeah. She's like, and then his dick just went up his butt, and I, I, I guess it's pretty serious. You know? Yeah. Exactly. A butt fucking. You know, because they were yeah. butt fucking. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Stein. Um, anyway, Rooney eats it. Uh, he certainly does. Um, the post-credit scene, I think, is also very iconic, just because, you know, post-credit scenes. You got to stick around. The fact that they use this music, yeah, exactly. But this music, I think, is you know an important music throughout the film. And um, you know, when you hear this song, you think of this scene. You don't think of Ferris. And Cameron talking about the Ferrari at the start of the movie. You think, I think about of this the, scene. I think of the bus pulling away. I think of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then the bus starting to pull away. And yeah. I always think about how long the bus like sits there before like it pulls away. It's like come on, Dee Dee Rusher, let's get these kids home. You know, <laughs> it's six p.m. I want to get home. Yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> right. It's six p.m. It was six p.m. It, it was. <laughs> so apparently, this was like a cut scene that was supposed to happen earlier in the movie. Uh, oh. Like at some point, you know, I don't know when, but uh, but yeah, so they put it at the end. But I don't care. I I also love in this weird world where like Ed Rooney is like getting on this bus. It's this packed bus at 6 p.m. Right. 6 p.m. Maybe there was like a field trip and, you know, this the the school district paid for the school buses for an yeah. extra shift at six. And that's yeah. what the, the gummy bears were to kind of keep her. You know, keep the little girl full. It was well, a snack you know, her blood sugar, trip. right? Yeah, her blood. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but she's, you know, she was actually born with it. It's not type two. It was type one. Um, so this was a pancreatic situation. But anyway, she's got to be mindful. Four o'clock rolls around and she doesn't have a snack. <laughs> you know, you get a case of the dropsies going. You know. I love the kids looking at. Uh, Ed Rooney on the bus. Uh, that one oh, kid god. who's like, oh, that I don't know that one. I always oh. see that face that one kid makes, like, oh god. Yeah, uh. man. Praise to John Hughes here. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this was pretty god. great. This is a pretty great movie. We talked about it for two hours. I feel like we could have even broke it down even further. Oh, absolutely. I know. I can't believe it's almost two hours. But this was, and this was a lot more than I expected. I, we kind of just threw this on the list a little randomly and. I feel like for a movie that really doesn't have much in terms of like queer subtext, I, there's a lot right. for us to marry out on. 
Oh, totally. Um, uh, I love how you mock queer subtext. Well, I mock us. You know what I mean? I mock oh, okay. us of like, right, you know, yeah. I mock an all right, Mary, you know? You Jonathan schmock us. I sh- Yeah, I get a little snooty, yeah. a little snotty. Snotty. <laughs> Don't make me get snooty. Snotty. Snotty. <laughs> oh, snooty. Snotty. Uh, snotty. Ugh. Good. Yeah, so many fabulous parts of this movie, uh, and I'm glad that we started it all off with grace. So. Oh, you got to you know you got to start the meal with grace. You know, start every day with right. grace. With grace. 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 Uh. Anyway, Marys, thank you so much for listening. Happy September. Happy. Welcome back to school. You know, summer is. Almost over Thank after God. tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and we can start living our you know white woman fantasies by Ugh. painting pumpkins and eating or drinking you know pumpkin spice lattes and wearing sweaters. Oh, I'm gonna wear sweaters. I'm gonna bake pumpkin seeds in the oven. I'm I gonna love those. yeah. Spicy. I'm gonna make a strudel maybe. Ooh, strudel. Maybe um, I. You know, what I love about the fall is that it's actually really hot for like another month and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're you know, we're just preheating the oven for fall. So it's fake fall, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Marys, thank you so much for listening. Way to go getting it all the way through this episode. If you have any thoughts on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you can reach out to us at allrightmarypod on Instagram. You can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're on the web at www.allrightmary.com. And if you want, I'm on Instagram at Johnny also. And you can find more of me and my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, where we clean out on best supporting actresses like Edie McClurg or Jennifer Grey or Christy Swanson um, and all sorts of other anti-vaxxers. You can also find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can... Uh, and, and I think what else and you can get both of us on Patreon right both of us oh yeah we're doing lots of movies we're about to talk about Mona Lisa Sideways Smile which I'm really excited about uh, we got plenty of other movies coming uh, eighth grade we're going to be talking about um, which I have not seen and I know is also another triggering mo- movie so I'm you know gear yeah. up for that get ready for that no it is it is back to school month all month on uh, on Patreon we will be doing, you know, uh, just to mention another one, potentially uh, Dangerous Minds. Mm. Uh, uh, don't discount All Right, Mary, Geist. but we yes. might finally do Clueless. You, these, all well, these things, might. Oh, well, yeah. I'm just putting a little suspense mm, in there, it. you know? Yeah, I get it. Get out of my chair. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. and In another couple of weeks, you'll find out, you know, you know, who get Ty is really dating. Yeah. yeah. Get in here. Yeah. You know? You'll find out how long it takes to get, to, you know, to the valley from sunset. Yeah. So just roll with the homies till then. But anyway. Ty! All right, Marys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I think we're going to leave it off with the lip sync song of this movie. Either Donka Shane or Twist and Shout, Mary. Which one? Uh, you know what? I think, you know, you got to start with grace and end with gratitude. So let's say Donka Shane. Donka Shane. All right, Mary. We will see you next time. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony was the place we'd meet. Second seat, go Dutch treat. 
You were sweet, dark as shame.